Monsters have taken their place among cinematic history, but who are the real monsters? Are they the scaly creatures that haunt our nightmares? Or are they the person you see every day just casually walking down the street? What happens when man outweighs the monster on the screen and creep into our lives and dreams? With our co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago, they will uncover who are the real villains as we explore the classic cinema along with some modern greats and find the monster within us. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and it's Christmas Eve as we discuss two films, part of our M&M, Monsters and Mad Men, which we'll be covering Eating Raul from 1982, and... Cannibal the Musical from 1993. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, guys. And Joe Rendazzle. Hello, Joe. Hello. It's a very cannibal Christmas. <laughs> very cold Christmas. A very cold one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's all bundled up. No one can see him, but he does every got everything on except the Eskimo hat. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I took, a, well, I've been sitting here, so I just took a shirt out of my, I just did laundry yesterday, so I took a shirt out of the, uh, out of the clean laundry, wrapped it around my neck and zipped up my hoodie because uh, up here in Chicago, it's negative 10, uh, 50 <laughs> mile an hour be- winds, which make it feel like negative 30. Um, Not so, bad. Yeah, no matter how much we're blasting the heat, it's still freezing in here. Um, so yeah, it is really, really, really cold up here. Yeah, but you know what, you know what you should do when you're miserable like that? Let's build a snowman. <laughs> Let's build a snowman. <laughs> I mean, I I rewrote uh, call it that. I rewrote Spinoical Day and sent it to you guys. Like the skies are gray and all the leaves are dead. The sun's been yeah. gone for several weeks now. My heart is full like a baked potato. <laughs> it's a Chicago day. Yes, it's a typical Chicago day. I, I spent a winter in Chicago. I'll never forget it. I grew up in upstate New York, and Chicago winter was a hell of a lot worse than upstate That's what New I, York. I've winter. only been there once in the winter, and I vowed never to return. <laughs> Not the wintertime. <laughs> my, my, my face cracked. I, I was walking yeah, up. Wa- that'll happen was, here. Yeah, I was walking up. Um, well, no, I was walking down Waker Avenue, basically, and I went around the corner. Um, I think it was North. I was gonna say that's the north side. North twenty third, because I was working at a, I was working at a video store there, and um, I went. I, so I turned around the corner to go to the video store, and I just got the grit and the wind just, and it's like I, I got cut, scratched right across by the you grit. Oh no, shit! You can't closed. breathe either when it hits you that yeah. fast. Yeah, out here, like you're like I like I thought I saw like really bad winters in New York. Uh, growing up in you know the New York City area, you guys probably right. got it worse upstate. But yeah, it's. Uh, out here it's like no your skin hurts out in the cold and i almost got hit by a car because i remember crossing michigan avenue and you know like we you know like there's that wind tunnel effect yeah. <laughs> like, it, like it catches you and you're on the ice and just pushes you and you can't stop you're like it ah. it's like yeah. it was horrible but yeah that was probably the i mean that was probably i mean i love 
spring, summer, fall, Chicago is bloody fantastic. Winter is like hell. <laughs> yeah, it, it is the worst out here for winter. I uh, call it the windy city for nothing. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people. Well, I live in I live in the uh, you know in the northern the northern suburbs. So there's a lot of really rich people out here, and a lot of them have places in Hawaii, and that's where they or Arizona. I have a lot of friends that have second places in Arizona, and they go there for the winter. They're like, we don't want to deal with this shit. We're going to Arizona. We're going to Hawaii. We're just getting the hell away. I don't blame them. It's just if I had the money, I'd be snowbirding somewhere. Same well, it's, here. It's kind- it's kind of weird because if you're if you're living on a north and west street because I lived on South Plymouth Court, you're fine until you have to until you can't get across until you have to go to a street that's going east and west and that's when you get killed. <laughs> it's just like because that's because <laughs> it's because the wind tunnels coming off the lake, right? So it's a, sort of thing. So if, so you know if you're you know if you're if you're on a north and west street and you got buildings on either side, you're okay until you get to the corner and then you're kind of screwed a little bit. So yeah, then you get hit with it. <laughs> Mm. in that case you should build a snowman (laughs) (laughs) so before we get started i guess we should find out what we've been up to let's start off with you joe what have you been up to since we last spoke to you freezing Uh, i mean yeah it's not that freezing yesterday an hour before i was supposed to go into work uh because the the weather here was so bad because we got snow and 50 mile an hour winds there's zero visibility i got a text from work telling me yeah don't bother coming in so I was like, oh, all right, well, there. So, uh, just kind of stayed home and watched movies because there really isn't anything you really can do out here right now. It's really freezing. Um, what I I watched uh, David Cronenberg's Fast Company for the first time, an uh, action movie about uh, uh, um, what's his name, William Smith, as a as a ra- as a race car driver with uh, John Saxon as the the head of the corporation who kind of wants him to lose and he doesn't really want him. So I was, I was watching that last night. Uh, I'm going to check out the glass onion today after, uh, after I heard that's really good. Yeah. It just uh, showed up on Netflix this morning. Oh, it's on Netflix now. Oh, okay. Today. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. as of today. Um, I watched a Christmas story Christmas yesterday, which is okay. <laughs> it's not as good as the other, but it's still good. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those sequels. It's just like, hey, remember this from the from the original movie? We're gonna right. do it again. Remember this from the original movie? We're gonna do that again for you too. Remember this from the original movie? Of course you do. We're gonna do it again. <laughs> I love yeah. how they. I saw that as well, and I, I say what I did love about it, I love seeing all the kids come back. Even his yeah. little brother That's- comes back. That's true. I I like that. I like that most of the original cast came back. Um, I said that the the, some of the original cast was either deceased or could not make it back, but yeah, I'm surprised uh, they didn't well, get Melinda Melinda Dillon back. She's alive, she's kicking still. So she didn't want to do it, from what I understand. Ah, uh, well, mm. there you have it. Uh, Darren McGavin's dead. I'm glad they paid some sadly. To him. It was mm. nice they gave him a tribute though, because he deserves a tribute, he's awesome. And actually, well, um, I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast before. When I was uh, when I was in film school, I had written a tribute to the Night Stalker that I wanted to film. Oh my and God, I, I loved the friggin' Night Stalker when I was. And 16. what I wanted to do, I contacted. I, I found a website that was uh, uh, that was an, an official website for Darren McGavin, and I wrote to the uh, I wrote to the person in charge of the website, and they put me in touch with uh, the people representing Darren McGavin. And when I told them about the project, they apparently told Darren who had just recently had a stroke. And what they said was Darren 
loves to help young filmmakers. He would probably even do your film for free, but he just recently had a stroke. Oh. Check with us. Check with us again in a couple of months and see how he's feeling. And he would he would probably love to do it. And, and then, then he passed away. Oh, bad. So, sucks. Bad timing, man. It's the same thing that happened with um, uh, the Spanish uh, horror actor Paul Nashi. I, his son and I became friends on Facebook, and I was making those films with Dave. And I was like, I'd love to get Paul if he's out in LA. I'd love to film a cameo with him. And his son Sergio's like, well, he's really sick right now. Um, we don't know how it's going. If he gets any better and he comes out to to the states again, we'll let you guys know. And then, like a couple weeks later, he died. <laughs> we seem to get them at the wrong time. <laughs> Isn't that so sad? Gosh, I was, born, I was just born too late to actually work with these people. <laughs> but you might time, be born in time to work with some other greats in the future. Maybe. Uh, yeah, Christopher Lee died before I ever got a chance to, to meet him. Or That's just that. heartbreaking. That was just soul crushing when he died. I was hoping he was going to make 100 and he didn't. He would have been. Oh, you would have turned. Oh, so close. Are you the one that posted something about Betty White? What was the deal with that? You said. You oh, that. Uh, yeah. Last year she died on New Year's Eve last year. So I saw the the Turner Classic Movies review and I went, "Oh, Betty White's not in here." And then I went, "Oh, yeah, because she technically died in 2021, but too oh, late." Oh, yeah. Okay, got you. Okay. She died I too didn't... late for their 2021 tribute and didn't die in 2022. So she's in that that weak some span. weird gap. Yeah, that, that, void. She's in a void. She's in that void where she's not gonna. Yeah, she's one she's of the greatest to ever hit stage and screen, and she's in a void. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I was reminded because I saw Angela Lansbury in there. And, oh, then, you know, maybe they'll do Betty White. Oh wait, Betty White died last year. Ah, yeah. And that's that never, never oh, land. That little void. That week. That last week in uh, December. Yeah, <laughs> you think that they'd be able to work out that void thing when they're paying tribute? Bullshit. She died in 2021. It's Betty fucking white. Make an honorable <laughs> mention. Make it work. God dang it. You know, just come or, on. Or just release these in memoriams the first week of January. So you can catch these last couple of, uh, yeah. these last couple of people who die. <laughs> some of us, right. yeah, some of us just are born at the end of the year for crying out loud. Yeah. Or or it gets really bad when um someone bigger than you overshadows your death. Oh anyway. yeah. Oh that, that happens. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. Like Mother yeah, Ter Mother Teresa Mother Teresa's um death got overshadowed by Princess Dies. Yeah. That's uh, right. Uh, she did die the same time, didn't she? Uh, what, what was her name? Uh, uh from Charlie's Angels. Uh, Michael Jackson died like a couple of days after her. Fair enough. <laughs> Oh yeah, Farrah Fawcett, yeah. and then Michael Jackson died like the like the next day. Something about forgot. overshadowing. Somebody for yeah, everybody completely forgot about Farrah Fawcett. Uh, I see she's got quite a few clubs or, or, or forums that have been resurfacing lately on Twitter and in Facebook, especially. No, lots on Instagram too. She's somebody. She's been, a lot of people have been thinking about her again. It looks like. I have to sit there and say, for someone who's just a sex symbol. I mean, if you look at the burning bed and extremity, I was just going to say that she's bloody fantastic in those. Oh. So. And who didn't and have that poster of her? Everybody, every guy I knew had that poster I, on their wall I didn't. when we were kids. I had Jacqueline Smith. You had Jack. Well, you were always, yeah, you're a brunette guy back then, I guess. <laughs> she's, a brunette, she's a brunette guy now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be coy. And in flight. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, 
And I have to sit there and say, Farrah Fawcett's in one of my all-time favorite movies as well, Logan's Run. I love Logan's Run. Why haven't we done that one? Well, that's going to be part of our book to screen eventually. So uh, okay. I was going to say, I got the Blu-ray right there. so I, I can... Of course, Joe's got the Blu-ray. He's just showing <laughs> off now. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, what did I get? <laughs> Joe's what got go, the Blu-ray to everything, and if he doesn't, he can make it happen. <laughs> Troma's special 13th anniversary edition of Cannibal the Musical. That 13th. would be even I would that that's worthy in any library. Is it is it on Blu-ray, Cannibal the Musical? Or is no, it it's DVD? only on DVD. I, yeah. I they never. I don't know if I'd want to watch that on Blu-ray. Tell you the truth, I don't um, know. How to look on Blu-ray. I, th I think on Blu-ray, I think that maybe they, if they were going to do a Blu-ray, they probably would punch the sound up a little bit with some of the yeah. some of the background noise lines. I just feel like Batman and stuff bit, like but... that, the Dark Knight, that drives me nuts on Blu-ray. It makes me fucking insane. Yeah, but does. Cannibal Cannibal the Musical doesn't have a lot of those kind of special That's effects. True. Singles, That's so true. I think it'd be okay. <laughs> Especially I mean, when they're they, building a snowman. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does, I mean... Well, we'll get to that anyway. But yeah, I mean, it no, does, but the song's stuck in my head now. It, it does. It does look like it. It does. It does look like it was filmed in a home, you know, a camcorder. So I don't know, but you know, I was actually. No, we can't talk about it yet. Never mind. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just so what thought. else? What else? Even up to Joe? Oh, uh, that's about it. Like there really hasn't been too much going on up here, just because it's too cold to really do anything. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. That's what was that now. movie where it gets so icy cold up north, everybody has to flee to Mexico? What was that storm something? Uh, uh, I don't remember. Quaid was in it. Randy Quaid was in it. Dennis Quaid was in it. God, I cannot what remember. was that movie? Day After Tomorrow. Uh, oh, yeah. that's right. The, uh, I remember it yeah. now. Well, they're all, all trying to race the weather. They're all so freezing realistic. to death where they are, and they survive at the public library in, in New York City. I said, and they were it, trying to burn the Gutenberg Bible, and the guy saved it. Thank God. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, that was at that time where we're getting all these movies. It's like you go and see the devastation, and then you, unfortunately, you had to sit through the next hour and a half until the next devastation piece happened. Because <laughs> you're like, uh, wow, this is fantastic. Uh, like deep impact, over. all that kind of stuff. You're like, wow, the opening is like, oh, this is fantastic. And then you're sitting there for an hour and a half going, oh, for God's sake, get I, on with I it. And then the end of it's like, great, this is great again. <laughs> it's like, yay, devastation, yay. <laughs> I think it was, okay. yeah, it was Roland Emmerich, which all his movies, there's always independence say they're, they're trying to outrun the aliens. Day, uh, day after tomorrow, they're trying to out, outrun the weather. Moonfall, they're trying the to moon. outrun the effects of the moon. <laughs> I, mean, I actually to liked Moonfall. I thought I was going to hate it. I was pleasantly I, surprised. I like, I like it because of how dumb it is. <laughs> exactly. That's what makes it so fun. Deep impact. They're out running the volcano. I love Deep Impact. The I meteors. Love all movies. Yeah, I mean they're they're fun. I mean they they're they're up there with like Tower Inferno and right. Side and Adventure. Tower Inferno. And airplane was it airport airplane. or airplane? I can't airport, 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 airplane's the airport. piss take. I know. I was just <laughs> like, yeah, the piss take. I can't remember because there were so many airplane movies that came out in the seventies and so many destruction films. That I was surprised anybody got in a high rise or got in the plane ever again. Yeah. Earthquake, <laughs> avalanche, yes. towering inferno. Like, what was oh. that one? Dante's Peak. I mean, it was Dante. all that shit. Oh, that Dante, Dante's Peak was the worst. Especially like, 
you know, they're in the boat and it's all full of lava. And then, I don't know, the boat gets stuck and the mother gets out. I'll push you to shore. And she's like, Burr. water. It's like, oh God. Poor. It's like Linda Hamilton. It's like, get, you need to get, you need to get remarried to, um, what's his name? Um, Cameron. Oh, Cameron. Cameron. You need to remarry him because this is a bad. You need a better script, lady. Yeah. (laughs) I just remember going to the movie theater. I was bursting out laughing and everyone around me was getting really upset. There's only a few movies I burst out laughing at. That one and Westworld was another one. I just laughed all the way through it. What was funny in Westworld? Oh, everything. It was so stupid. The movie with Yul Brynner, right? Yeah, the Yul Brynner movie. Uh, No, not Westworld. No, Waterworld. Sorry, Waterworld. Oh, that! I laughed through Waterworld, not Westworld. Waterworld, I love. I adore Kevin Costner, but who sold him that bill of goods? I will never... With his gills behind his ears. It was him, I know, but somebody let him do it. He had advice. He had a little run in like the 90s where like he just had bomb after bomb after bomb. The and Postman was another one around that time. I love The Postman. A lot of people don't like it, but I actually like it. Especially how they got Tom Petty in there to be, you know, it's like, I used to be famous. Well, I mean, I think another thing, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, you <laughs> win an Oscar for directing and, and acting in Dance of the Wolves, and he come out with like six years worth of shit. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's like that, is that Oscar court? What that was Oscar the next thing that, that he did was good? What did he do that came to fruition after Westworld? Or, um, uh, it wasn't his movie. Clint Eastwood directed it, but I really liked The Perfect World. A perfect, yeah, I don't think I've seen it. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. Is he a serial killer or is he uh, he's something like that? It's, it's a, a good movie. Really? Uh, what's it called? Perfect World? Perfect, yeah, World, yeah, right? perfect World? Perfect World. I, I'm gonna guess since it's a Warner Brothers movie, it's probably on HBO Max. Probably. Let me look. Let me look. I'm always looking for something different. Oh no, it's not on any streaming service that I have. Amazingly, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have it I've on. I have it. I have it on disc upstairs. Oh, you guys got everything on disc. I, I don't have a Perfect World, and I'm gonna Just have to all a bunch of show offs. And I I bought, I bought that. That's back when. I'm not a uh, I'm not a Kevin Costner fan. Um, I never was. I I had a another I, my other half at that time was a huge Kevin Costner fan. So it's like I saw Field of, and he was like we had to watch Field of Dreams like at least one every. I two love to three that movie. Love that movie. And he would burst out crying because of his own feelings with his dad, and then I would just sit there going, and I try not to laugh because I'm. I lack empathy anyway, so that didn't that wasn't matter for But he would take he would I remember take me dance with the wolves and I'm sitting there like 15 minutes in going, how much longer? He's going, shut up, how much longer? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. And I go, and then I remember like um Mary McDonald shows up and I go, I didn't know Jane Fonda was in this movie because that's not Jane Fonda. <laughs> 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 I go, and I'm going to, I go, do they yeah, have Netflix. feathered hair? I go, do they have feathered hair back then? I go, shut up, just watch the movie. He's yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember after after Waterworld, I went to Waterworld, was him and a couple of my friends, and we were just laughing. And at the end of it, I just, he just is yelling at me in the way I'm, you ruined that Kevin Costner film for me. <laughs> well, that's when you were insensitive and didn't have any cooth. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm like that. If something's really, really, if something's really, really bad, or I'm bored, I'll either a go to sleep. Yeah. But if I don't fall asleep and I'm just sitting there, I, I mean, I every, I know a lot of people like Gladiator. 
I and love I'm not gladiators. Some and, of the and I, and I'm not a fan, but I remember, I remember going to see it, and I just something about it just I don't like Russell. I'm not a Russell Crowe fan anyway. I'm not a huge I saw it once, and I was not that impressed. I loved with it. it. I love all the historical crazy shit, though. Kind of, though. I, I just, I mean, to me, it was just Ridley Scott um, doing his diarrhea movie sort of thing. But, but I mean, for that was just for me. I mean, all, I'm all, glad everyone, I'm not I, an everyone, everyone I know, everyone I know likes it. So I mean, it's not a big deal. But I, no, I, I mean, it's, it's okay. I mean, if it's it's one of those rainy day films, like if I see it on cable, I'll leave it on. I I take that I take that movie, and every couple years I'll. Because someone, I don't know if this person likes me or really hated me, but they bought me a copy of it and went for Christmas one year. They hate <laughs> so, you. So, so I do secretly detest you, probably. Wait, feel the dreams or, or Waterworld? No, uh, no, Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. Okay. And so every every two to three years, I do put it on, go and see if I miss something. I do that with the piano too. I hated the piano. I couldn't stand it. I don't. I couldn't understand why. Mute Holly Hunter. Would go with small Dick Harvey Kai too when she has Sam Neil. I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and you say you see his tiny dick in that movie too. Oh really? I must have missed that part. I need. To, I guess I'm going to have. Oh, to he stands. He stands there butt ass naked for like a good long time. For some, it's for very someone, rare. It's it's very rare that he's wearing clothes in that movie. Actually, Harvey Keitel. For, for someone who who does not have a lot to show down there, he whips it out a lot. <laughs> Precisely. Bad, bad lieutenant. Did I maybe I didn't I see this I always remember a penis and I'm not remembering this one. So that's because it that's because it's really hard to see on the it was really hard to see on the big screen. So imagine what it's gonna be like on a television. <laughs> I saw it in IMAX and I had trouble seeing it. <laughs> Probably needed a magnifying glass for pair of tweezers. So and next week we'll have Harvey Keitel on the first <laughs> interview. Yeah, you should send him an invite. He'd probably love to come on our show now. Where he will talk about what cold weather's like in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, I have not been up to much. I have been wa- what did I watch the other day ago? I watched um what did you ever watch that movie hashtag alive about the zombie pe- the guys are stuck in the apartment? It's a it's a Korean film. No, She's, I it, oh, you got to watch it. It's subtitled, but you guys are cool with that. It's about, it's called, it's hashtag alive. The guy, it's a zombie apocalypse. He's stuck in an apartment and there's another person at the other apartment across the way. <laughs> I won't, it, it's just, it's just an anxiety attack is the whole thing. And um, let me see what else did I want. Oh yeah, I had to watch my 1951 A Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim because it's not Christmas without that particular movie and you know what we covered that a year or two ago but that is some fucking scary shit in the beginning when i was a kid with you know jacob marley shaking the rattling the chains and do you believe in me or that scared the shit out of me and you know it still kind of intimidates me a little bit when i watch it but um let me see krampus did krampus again i watched krampus the other day for the first time and i watched oh what was it bloody christmas bloody was it Christmas Bloody Christmas. Is that what with the, the Robo Santa? Yeah, I saw that as well. Oh, like, I think I was watching it at the same time you were actually. We just happened to be watching it at the same time. No, they but that was Cannibal the musical we were watching at the same time. Yeah. But no, I was watching uh that 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 was Robocop meets uh Santa as Arnold Schwarzenegger meets the Terminator meets I don't know what the hell that was. 
but he made a lot of noise. I liked the X kills. They were pretty good. It was a crazy movie. I didn't think it totally sucked, but it was kind of fun, I thought. So. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen most people just gushing over it, though. I, I did liked see it. Violent I thought it was, it was a lot of fun. If you like to Violent kills. Night. I like Violent Night. I saw that and I thought that was fun as hell. I uh, stopped well, waiting for it to come down on price. What what are you talking? What were you talking about? What movie? Violent Night. Oh uh, no! I'm talking Violet. about the Bloody Christmas scene. The one she was yeah. talking about. Was, yeah. But, but did you like it, Bloody Christmas? I loved it. Did you? I didn't. Like you didn't it. like yeah. it. I don't think. I, well, I, 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 I just thought I could it was tell fun. Tell by Keith's comments that he that he he was not digging it while he was watching it. So I I, I, I liked. I thought it was fun. There there are things. There's certain things I like about it, but it's like it's one of those meta films, right. and I know it's yeah. I know it's um. I know that it's low, you know, you know, a low, you know, kind of a low, low production value. They, they, they did. I mean, they did well with what the money that they had on it. My problem was basically is that it's kind of a meta film when they're they're talking about like Christmas songs and like Christmas movies and that. But it's really hard to understand it because all their all their stuff was really muffled. So the first half hour where they're like doing all this meta stuff, it was a going, lot muffled. I did notice that. That was very muffled. Kind of annoying. That was so that annoyed annoying. me and. The guy, the guy that worked in the shop with her, he was quite cute. So he was quite worth watching for me. She was annoying. <laughs> she was but, annoying. She but was annoying. the special, like but once, once it takes off, and, right. and we, then, we, then we get kind of um, Sarah Connor Terminator. Exactly. World. Exactly. Then, 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 then it got better, sort of thing. So it got, it got, it got better. Well, it was kind of a slow burn for a fast-paced, scary. I'm gonna kill you with an axe, Santa movie. It, it's not the slow burn though. The thing is, is that. I just think that if you're going to be in a horror film, you need to root for someone. You need to root for someone that you actually like. And it was really hard to like her. I didn't. Root, she's very... I was rooting for the final girl at the end, but I think he wasn't dead, was he? I don't know. I don't remember how it ends now that I think about it. I mean, yes. I'm just saying that the lead girl in it. I mean, she's she's a good actress, and her lines are just very abrasive. And she's like, right. well, I she's, think she's, she's an yell- abrasive she's, character, though. And she's yelling, and she's yelling. At everything, she's insulting everyone that she comes in contact Everybody, with. I, I thought the word "fuck you" came out of my mouth a lot until I watched this movie. She tells everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm not, I just think they're saying that you know maybe if the sound was a bit better and you can understand more that. I, I did notice that. I did maybe. notice it was. I had to put on the uh, closed caption because I couldn't tell. I had to too. Because it was muffled. I, I that that did annoy me a little bit because I remember you talking about cognitive architecture, just like the muffling of the boom on that. Yeah, it, it, it I mean, we, we had that angle. we had that with our, we had that problem with our short film to the point where that's the reason why it's, it's unwatchable. Yeah, because you know, well, considering that it doesn't, it's not two people in a freaking room having a conversation. If you can't understand them, it's not what are you, what are you watching? Yeah, well, you weren't stuck there doing continuity with all of them, were you? Well, I don't. <laughs> No, I mean I don't blame. I, I mean I I I blame I blame the people I blame the editing and the director. So that's all. apparently yeah, she has the director of uh, VFW, which I still haven't seen. What is it, Joe? Uh, the same director as VFW, which I still haven't seen. I haven't seen mm-hmm. that. It's worth a watch. I mean, it's on Shutter, so I mean, it's worth a well, watch. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It, it's it, it's not it's not going to win any Oscars, but as far as gore, you know, you know. Slaying I don't think slaying. I'll be. I don't. I just. I don't think I'll be returning to a year for Christmas year after year. Not no. like silent. Not like Silent Night, Deadly it's Night. It's not like Silent Compass Night, Deadly Night, or 
Christmas horror story. Uh, that's that's turned into a personal Christmas favorite. That's um, one of my personal favorites too, with the Santa. And that's a bloody Santa movie, but it's really good. And and I also like the the Christmas one where um, she's babysitting the boy and the oh god, I can't remember the name of it. And the boy basically is a little it, killer. Kill, 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 yeah, kills her. I, I, I was talking one, about that last week. What was it called? Oh my god, I just said something about it last week. It was. Watch you better watch out. Better, better watch, watch out. out. That was yeah. good. And so, you know, so you know, I like Christmas movies. They're like you know, kind of like that. And in my thing, notes so. here, it says "shithead killer kid." <laughs> <laughs> That's how yeah. I remember my movies. But oh, I, I have it. I have it upstairs. I gotta drag it. I gotta drag that out. That's one of my Christmas movies. That one was a lot of fun. That I stumbled one. on one last week that I didn't know was a Christmas movie, and Keith apparently knows it and likes it. It's whoever slew Auntie Rue. It is? I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, it is. I didn't know it was Take Christmas. Christmas. Is that up there with Nakatomi Plaza? Die Hard is one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. What? <laughs> Die Hard. I don't well, care. Well, it is a Christmas movie. Everybody can fuck off. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Those Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Yes, I agree. The first Lethal Weapon is absolutely a Christmas movie. But but you know it's weird though. Like when Lethal Weapon came out, Lethal Weapon came out like at Thanksgiving weekend. Right. Die Hard came Die Hard came out in the summertime because I remember I was living in I did went it? and saw it in De- I saw it the Denver IMAX when it first came out back in nineteen eighty seven eighty eight, and it, it was during the it was during the summer. No shit, I didn't Which, remember that. But it's quite funny because in my mind, I keep thinking, "Oh, it came out, you know, like, like the Thanksgiving." But it, but it but it was it was the biggest summer movie of that okay. year. Die Hard. Gotta it's ask weird. real quick before we get on to Keith. Um, anybody had plans on seeing the new? Oh my god, I just had a brain fart. The movie everybody's been waiting for. Oh my god, I couldn't get tickets. Avatar. Yes. Thank you. No, I just oh, I Sean saw it last week while we were doing the podcast. Um, I. The new Avatar, you saw it already? Yeah, it was. Uh, it came out last week. Yeah. I thought it came. Okay, you're right. It's this a new weekend starting. Um, was did he sit? Does it have an intermission or did it go straight for three hours? I think it goes straight through. I was wondering because we can't get tickets anywhere in the Dallas area for it. It's sold really? out. We wanted to go to IMAX and watch it, but I mean, well, I. I, I personally probably will give it a miss. I liked it when I saw that the IMAX, the first one, but then when I tried to watch it uh, afterwards on anything else, I couldn't sit through it. So without the IMAX experience, well, or... it kind of reminds me of that cartoon, you know, you know that rainforest cartoon. I know oh, Fern Gully. Fern Gully, yeah, Fern Gully. It's, 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 it's Fern Gully. It's... Oh my God, it is. I didn't it even is put Fern that Gully. together. Oh my God, you're right. I didn't even. And I and I thought and I thought to myself, it's like, well, if I want to see a movie like that, Fern Gully, I can see in eighty minutes, or I can spend three hours seeing the same story redone. So I'll just like stick to Fern Gully. Well, it's it's it's, it's sort of like one of those (laughs) subtle and you know those movies you always say it's subtly where you get the point across. That's what a lot of people liked about it about the rape of the natural world, basically. So yeah, yeah, I just I mean. I mean, you I don't know. Give me arguing. I don't know. I don't know what the second one is. Like I said before, when I went and saw the first one at the IMAX, I loved the spectacle of it all. Um, but when I tried to re, I've, when I tried to rewatch it since that time, I can't sit through it. I don't. That know seems to be everybody's it. issue with Avatar. Uh, I with, can't. With both, I've watched it a couple times. It's all spectacle, it. but yeah, you know, it's all sizzle no steak. That's yeah. 
I don't know the special effects. I heard that the special effects in this one and the people are just beautifully done. I mean, you know, it looks like a mess. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that Cameron pushed. Who directed that? James Cameron, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I haven't, but I haven't really of... liked a James Cameron movie since True Lies. Yeah, like I, I, was, uh, not big, I was not a big fan I... of Titanic. Right. I'll give I'll give him a Titanic because the thing is. Hour and a half movie, boring. Last hour and a half when the ship goes down, exciting. Yeah. But, but you know, but you kind of look at, I mean, basically, Kate Winslet looks like she's raping someone who's underage. Because she looks so much but more mature than he does. Kids. You can't rape the women. No, no, she, no, no, she, she, she looks and acts a lot more mature than he does. And he looked really young at that well, time. Well, all boys are immature. And then, and then my question is, if she moved her fat ass off the table, Jack could be alive today. So <laughs> she's, a la- she's a lazy bitch. Did you so see I'm where sorry. James Cameron <laughs> actually said, he goes, there was not enough room for the both of them on that board. So yes, I mean, there he, was. Actually, he actually yes, acknowledged there was. it. Uh, if you'd have turned on her side, yes, there was. <laughs> well, I post a thing where you can t- put two black labs on there next to her. And there's <laughs> enough room for the two black labs, damn it. <laughs> and to be honest, another thing that doesn't make sense is that he's got that handcuff on, which the handcuff would sit there and um, basically would give him frostbite around his arm, even, even for the first 10 minutes he's in that freezing well, water. Well, the anyway. North Atlantic, I think it went pretty quick, that, that <laughs> hyperthermia. So. Oh yeah, but I mean, so you know, I like the spectacle of it and stuff like this. I said before, if I ever, it's funny, but if that movie's ever on television, I if it's the beginning of it, I kind of flip through it. But if it's the end when the ship's going down, it's like I watch it like, every oh, time. Every time, it is the best part. And I, I like I, it when the ship goes up and all those people kind of fall off and they cut. They're, they're hitting the, uh, the smoke stack. Their heads. <laughs> <laughs> What was that one movie? Oh, the guy hitting the rudder going down. That was my favorite kill. <laughs> I, I, I remember I was in high school when that movie came out. I remember one, one kid in one of my classes uh, when we were talking about uh, we were talking about Titanic, the history of it versus the, yeah, versus the movie and all this stuff. Cause, and I remember him I remember him saying, oh, please, Leonardo DiCaprio may, you know, is making millions of dollars, now can have any woman he wants, and I'm supposed to sit there and cry for him. <laughs> Makes sense, no? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, another kind of thing, I mean, it does have that kind of a West Side Story, Romeo Juliet kind of bit, feel about it. Bit. Because it's like, okay, they meet on the ship, and then two days later, it's like, oh, they're in love, and then she's like risking her life to look for him, and... Her, yeah, she's you know. from a really well-off oh, family. Don't He's forget, kid. remember, we were, I always say that everybody forgets when they were 17, and the hormones are going, and the juices are flowing, and you're madly what? in love I don't, when I don't you think have he, I don't think he was seven. Was he supposed to be, were they supposed to be 17? I think they're supposed to be 17 years old, 16, 17. I think, because she looked about 30, and he looked about 20-something. Oh, she did not look about 30. She now, did. for next week, we're going to have Kate Winslet on for a <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything about Kane Winslet because she is a very bloody good actress. Yeah, but she looked she but she's always she always looked very mature for her age. The only time she didn't look mature for her age is in Heavenly Creatures. But Which every is, film after that. Yeah. I think it's her best movie. I think it's Peter Jackson's best movie. Yeah. And but, but Kate Winslet, but, but Kate Winslet's just uh, I love Peter just, Jackson movies. But she's just mature, she's just very mature looking. That's all. Not, not, she she doesn't look old, but she looks so mature. And when I he plays it, if he plays her next to someone who's kind of cherub looking, which Leonardo right. was very cherub looking. He's not fat Leonardo, he's cherub. Well, back, back then, yeah. Well, he was so. still very young. Like he was 
Like he he must have been like in his early twenties, if anything, at that point, because well, he was like, just a child actor five years ago, uh, getting smacked around by Robert De Niro. And uh, yeah. uh, what was that movie? Yeah. Uh, this Boy's Life. Yeah, you know, he, uh, you know, it's Gil- it's Gilbert Grape on Gilbert Titanic. Gilbert Grape. <laughs> Gil- yeah, Gilbert Grape, Marvin's Room, This Boy's Life were all mm. like right before Titanic, and he was still a child in those. Yeah. Uh, he was a kid on Growing Pains for a little while. Yeah, he was. Uh, Kate like, Winslet was 20. DiCaprio was 23 years old. Oh, DiCaprio was older. Yeah. But, I, was but, Kate, years old. but Kate Winslet looks look more mature. That's all. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like, well, I mean, let's put it this way. When Elvis Presley did Blue Hawaii, Angela Lansbury played his mom and she was three years younger than Elvis. Yeah. You know? So, you know, sometimes that happens. Some, but sometimes more people are more mature looking or have a more mature aura about him, about them. I, w- I was watching uh, Gaslight about a month or two ago and I, I saw Angela Lansbury in that. And I'm like, she's supposed to be 19? That's bullshit. And then when I looked, she was 17. Which I know. Well, oh, that's, man, uh, you guys that's are going to slam on Angela Lansbury. I mean, yeah. well, the thing actress. is, she's a great actress, but she always she always looked 40. She looked 40 in Gaslight. She looked for she looked 40 when she was 80. You know, I mean she stayed that same age. She's always been very mature. I mean, in bed knobs and the haircuts and the makeup that women wore back then. I mean, if you look at a house and now you wouldn't know if you you could not tell the difference. I think it was all about but she but she always looked she always been Terry and Candidate. She's playing Lee um Lawrence Harvey's mom in that, and she Lawrence she's younger than all everyone in that cast. She's younger than Frank Sinatra. She's younger than Lawrence Harvey. She's younger than, but she's just mature looking. Some people are just mature looking. I'm not saying that she looked like an old, old, you know, old dried up raisin. She didn't look like an albino <laughs> raisin, but she just looked like, you know, she just looked, she just looked mature. You know, some people look, just look mature. You know, yeah, like, Clark, it was like, um, what's her name is Louise Fletcher always looks mature. Yeah. She always looked mature. Piper Laurie always looked mature. You know, she some people, did, didn't she? Now that I think about it. I mean, if you look at Piper Laurie, when she was up for her first Oscar, she was like 18, 19 or something like that. That wasn't Sinbad. It, what was her first one? Wait, um, summer Place. No, it, was, it wasn't Summer Place. It was... um, Because then she retired from acting and then came back and did Carrie, didn't she? So and got another Oscar nomination, so... She she deserved that one, though. But but she... um But she's... But she's I mean, some actresses look mature. You know, they... It's just know, the way but it then, is. But then, but then you get like these other ones who basically look young forever. I mean, look at Judy Garland looked mature for her age. Yeah, Judy Garland lived a hard life, though. I mean, I think that yeah. some of the stuff that you know just wears and tears on your body. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what happens when you marry gay men and are addicted to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and next week we'll have Lord of Loft on. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> We have Liza, but unfortunately, she's repeating her mother's mistakes at the moment, so she's not available. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll see her in about a month. See her in about a month. <laughs> you might not know this, but my mother's the great, great Judy Garland. <laughs> yeah, we know, Liza. You keep telling us every time we see you. <laughs> she's real. I feel bad for her. She's actually kind of sick and going downhill. 
Well, I mean, she, I, I believe she's kind of she has... up here. It's it's it, I, I just hate watching people fail. Puppy also, man. but also, I mean, her body is so full of pins and stuff like that from like, you know, from the dancing Surgeries and stuff like that. And, yeah. yeah, for all the dance surgeries and that. She was so, a hell of a dancer myself. back in the day. She was okay. You know, I, to me, she, she to me, she, she's like Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. Get your underwear well, Kmart. No, no. What I mean is like, um, if you hear Liza Minnelli before she did Cabaret, she had a different sound voice. And yeah. she's, I, I thought her voice was really good at that time. Then she did Cabaret and of course she won her Oscar. And then it's like every single performance became her Cabaret performance. And and then Dustin Hoffman is like, I love Dustin Hoffman. And then Rain Man happened. And after Rain Man is like every single performance after that was Dustin Hoffman does Rain Man, does Dick Tracy. You know, I- Dustin Hoffman does. <laughs> I loved him, and I thought one of his best performances was Marathon Man. I love, I loved him. In well, that. that was pre Rain Man. Yeah, yeah they, Man. they all was pre Man. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I, after you're right, after that, there yeah. really wasn't anything. I can't think of any great Dustin Hoffman movies, like Dustin Hoffman led movies after Rain Man. Really? Yeah, we just started like, mumbling. Man, all that it, it, stuff it just started mumbling. It, you know. But there's a lot of actors who tend to do that. Robert De Niro um, was doing very good. And um, and then all of a sudden, it's like everything became, or Jack Nicholson does that now. It's like Jack Nicholson, if you see like Last Detail and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it's like, he's exciting to see. And then I think, I think after Witches of Eastwick, and then it's everything became like that one performance over right. and over and well, over. I, I was just well, Jack Nicholson's not doing anything okay. now. Jack Nicholson's retired. Yeah. He needs to be retired. He he's got he's got he did his thing. He just enjoyed a good life now. I, I think I, I don't think he's made a movie in like at least ten years at this point. The, the last thing I thought was anger management. He might have done something after that. I can't remember the the the. the his the last movie. great movie for his last great movie was that one that he did with uh that Kathy Bates in it. Um, uh, Smith about Smith. Oh, about oh Smith. oh. That I know, shocked. That was a great movie. Oh, and that the other one. No way. He did make. Well, maybe that wasn't after that. As um, good as it gets was excellent the as well. List. Bucket but list as good fun. as it gets was in the nineties. That I mean, yeah, the Departed was, was two thousand six. What was the bucket list made? That might have been around the time of the Departed. That oh, I told you the story about my secretary that wanted to go see the bucket list, so she thought she got <laughs> tickets for it. She ended up she ended up being in the movie theater watching a, <laughs> No Country for Old Men. <laughs> She's in there going, when does Morgan that's Freeman a good show movie, up? Though. That's a great movie, though. <laughs> yeah, she liked it, but she, I mean, normally she wouldn't see those kind of movies. She quite likes quite romantic comedies, like like kind of fluffy movies. Uh, 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 about Schmidt was before The Departed. The Departed might be his last great, well, well the bucket list is after. I think that's yeah. it. <laughs> I guess he is every- kind of retired, isn't he? Well, Seems I mean, be, yeah. he's, been, he's been going for a long, long time, though. Gosh, he? yeah. He's, he's got to be 90 or close to 90. And he was, do, he was doing like, he was doing like one or two movies a year anyway. I mean, he always, I don't, I don't think there was a year that he didn't make a movie. Well, he hasn't made one since 2010, it looks like. God, it's funny, but he always seems to be there. Maybe because like he keep watching his his back. He's got a lot. He's got a back catalog to keep his career alive forever, though, doesn't he? Oh God! Yeah, yeah. ninety-five movies. He was born yeah. in thirty-seven. So yeah, he's eighty-five. I was gonna say because my mom was born <laughs> in thirty-two and she just turned ninety. So have you ever? Do you ever see that clip when he's on the Tonight Show, where uh, he found out? 
where he finds out that his mother is not his mother, but actually his sister. Yeah, I've seen that. What? Um, that yeah, actually, if you want to look it up, yeah, it's, I yeah, will. Well, I yeah, never heard of no, that. No, 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 no. His his mother, sorry, his sister, his sister was actually his mother because he was brought up by the grandmother and they never told him that no who shit. he thought was his sister was his own birth. I mother. never heard that story. I'll look and that for some and for some reason, no one had no one told him and they decided to tell him like on the tonight show. Which he didn't know anything about it. Did he take it well? I mean, about I, as well as you can take that. Finding out I mean, in he, public. He gave the they Jackson. found a better way to do it. Well, you know, you know what, you know what television's like. But I mean, he, I mean, he did give the Jack Nick the Jack Nicholson shining um, sneer. <laughs> he didn't say much, but we got that look. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that up now. I get off. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Oh yeah, everything's on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> most things anyway. I know. I saw the most haunting thing on YouTube the other day, which was share. Ah. Singing with Bette Midler and Elton John, and they were doing um, Sly and the Family Stone medley. No kidding. Weird. It was weird. What a combination. It's Bette Midler before, Bette, Bette Midler when she used to have the, that Jufro hair sort of thing before right, she got it all costed. Yeah, back when it was like really dry looking and very brittle looking. <laughs> before, before, before she was Disney-fied. <laughs> Like pre pre the rose bet. So, so I yeah. liked her better when she was rose bet. Yeah, I mean she had some fun. I mean she just she's just good. She's fun with like comedies and stuff. I mean it's Bet Midler. It's, what was Bette that? Miller's what was that one with Judd Reinhold and um uh, and Helen Ruth, Ruthless people. Ruthless people. Ruthless people. I love that movie. Oh, Down and out Beverly Hills. Big business. I mean the, there's all those kind of movies. But Bette Midler's, I mean, I like Bette Midler. I mean, the thing, you know, she's good, but it's Bette Midler sort of thing. It's very rare that you see her get lost in a role. Yeah. So. Well, myself, um, I've been up to like Christmas stuff. I've watched Real Fred Knows Reindeer. And this is my 57th year watching that. And um, yeah, I'm watched Twins of Night Before Christmas and How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Charlie Brown Christmas. Gotta watch so, them all every have you, year. Have you really watched them every year? Yeah, I do. It's kind of weird. I do but it's too. It, well, to me, it feels like Christmas. And it's kind of weird because I was talking to my sister on Monday. And she goes, oh, she goes, she goes oh, yeah. I go, um, I go, what are you doing for Christmas? She goes, well, I'm going to Watertown because Austin's, my nephew's getting married. And, um, well, he's engaged to get married. So he's living with his girlfriend in, back in Watertown. So my sister's going to go to Watertown and spend Christmas with them. And then they, I go, oh, so what do you do for Christmas? She goes, uh, what we do every year. She goes, we all sit around and watch Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer and all those things. It's kind of like, so I was thinking the other day, it's like my, I grew up with it because Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer came out the year I was born. It was the first right. time it came on television. So I've been watching it every year. Now my nieces are watching it every year. And now my niece's children are starting to watch it every year. So it's kind of like three generations. So it's kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, well, I, I like watching it with Asher. So it, it makes me feel good. It reminds me of things were great when I was a kid. I had a great childhood. So it makes me happy to, to watch it. Well, it's, the funniest thing about those, though, um, you know, when we were last week when we were talking about wokeness and so on and so forth. Um, but they're very... 
woke oriented programs. I mean, yeah. if you look at you look at the gay elf who wants to be a dentist, and it's all about you know about not conforming to fit into society and just right. be yourself and any special any special gifts that but you. But they have. do it in a way just, that endears it to your yeah. heart. Is my point exactly? And I mean, and the message in the original Grinch, where you got Boris Karloff narrating and doing a freaking fantastic job that yes. never top any other Grinch film ever. And you know, and the message in that, and the message in Santa Claus is coming to town, and even Frosty the Snowman, which is pretty weak, has its own little message. But it's just yeah. like, well, it's it's kind of weird. Like when you rewatch these now, it's like, oh, okay, so. Yeah, you do notice that. those little things you didn't. It went pew. Next right year at there. Target. Next year at Target, I gotta buy those. I, I I keep meaning to every year, and I and I never do. I gotta get like there's a, box a really good them. there's a really good box set on Blu-ray that has Rudolph and um Frosty and, Amazon and got Santa, it. Santa Claus and coming town. Or there's the DVD set, which also includes um How the Grinch Stole Christmas. But the extras on it are quite good. Oh, the, uh, the Grinch I have separately on Blu-ray, and it has the, the Grinch Halloween special on it, too. Oh, oh not it is not good. <laughs> oh, it sucks? I've never no, seen it. I've never seen it's on YouTube if you want to see it. Oh, okay. Does it, does it blow really bad? It's not that it blows really bad. It's boring. And, and Karloff was dead. And the oh. guy, you know, the guy, the guy doing the narration this time, I don't remember who it was, is not a, not a patch on Karloff. So. And Seuss and didn't write it. It's not a Dr. Seuss didn't write it. No, oh, I don't think I don't think wow, it's based on anything okay. Seuss actually wrote. I think it's just yeah, I think it's yeah. just a made for TV. Thing. I would have seen the book. I try to collect all the Dr. Seuss books. So interesting, okay. interestingly enough, I watched Frosty Returns, which is also on the disc. That's not bad. That's the first um, that's the first one I remember ever seeing was Frosty Returns. But do you know who the voice of the little girl is? No. No. Elizabeth Moths. Really? Is it really? Elizabeth Moss is that John Goodman is the voice of Frosty and Jan Hooks is the voice of the um uh the mother and it's Jonathan Winters is the voice of the I don't I think he's a snow plate snow fake pixie I'm not sure what he was but he's let's build a snowman <laughs> but I wasn't like Elizabeth Moss is like what how old was she when she did that because I mean that's about she had to 19. be a kid she had to be very young I would say Vicky, I just sent you the Halloween. The Halloween is Grinch night, and I'm gonna uh, watch you it. Check it out later. Because it's, it's so cold, minutes. I have nothing better to do here in Texas. It's cold in Texas too, so yeah, it's only 25 Joe. minutes long. It's not that long. Cool beans, thanks, Joe. Uh, I actually have to say that the the last Grinch movie that came out, um, the animated one, is really good. The CGI'd one, that's a good one. I didn't like. I wasn't a Jim Carrey. I didn't like the Jim Carrey one because all the all the Who's looked like they had Michael Jackson's plastic surgeon. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's an interesting little thing. I was um, I, I went on the uh, the Universal tour. I went on the uh, this is like ten years ago, so I don't know if it's still like this. Um, the it's funny because I was on the um, I was on the, the the premiere tour or whatever the VIP tour where they actually let you step out and actually like go out onto the sets and we went through Wisteria Lane uh, where the Munsters House is now part of Wisteria Lane right. and the Fred House from Animal House is now in Wisteria Lane right down the street is Whoville really uh, from the Jim Carrey movie and then the other side of Whoville is the Bates Motel and the fucking house is that where they put that because I remember when I was there because when I was there they had the I thought it was going to be bigger but it's that big that big what do you call it it's it's sitting on a hill yeah Yeah. you know that the 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 house is 
That's the houses, there. and it looks like a huge dollhouse. So it, you know, it, it. I didn't expect that, but <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And then they had the time clock down the road for a mom. Uh, uh, well, from a lot of movies, but it's most famous for Back to the Future. Yeah. But, uh, but there's a wall, and the other side of the wall is Whoville. <laughs> it wasn't there when I was there for real. So. Well, when were you there? Because that's oh god, it's been a while. It's been over. Oh, it was probably years. before the Jim Carrey movie then. Uh, yeah, I was there in 2012. I want to say, and there's actually a picture because they act. Uh, you know, I, I went on the VIP tour, so they actually let me get out and take a photo on the steps of the of the Bates house, which I just love that I got a picture on that. That was amazing. That I think I've got a picture of that somewhere too. That was, yeah, that was cool. I was not expecting but, that. I just find it amazing that on one side it's Whoville, on the other side is the Bates Motel, and then there's the house from Psycho. Do you know that? You know what's interesting? Because I was watching, um, I did watch Horton Hears a Who yesterday. <laughs> Boil that dustbin. Boil that dustbin. <laughs> you know, but you know what? But if you think about it, Whoville is in a is in is in the dustbin. Well, I guess. Because if in Horton hears a who, he's saving that he's saving that piece of dust that has Whoville inside it. Does it say they're and, Whoville though? All they say yeah. is we are here, oh, yeah. we are here, we are here. Yeah, he goes all the who's in Whoville. It's like so basically those same who's are in that dust speck are basically where the Grinch is living. The Grinch is living in a dust speck. They're sort of like animal <laughs> house. That means that means that there could be a one tiny universe in my thumbnail. <laughs> Precisely. What was that? That was who was that? Was saying that was the, house. the Grinch at this very minute's heart might be growing three sizes three too big so you never know never know that's right are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd amazing designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar they bring professionalism to a high standard and they're able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more affordable expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. Or reach out by phone at crunchycold1805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. Well, on that note, let's get to eating Raul before everyone's life is over. Yeah. Oh my God, we've got an hour before we got I know, we got to shut up. <laughs> well, eating Raul is a 1982 American Black comedy film written and directed by and starring Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff. Robert um, Beltran, Ed Bagley Jr., Buck Henry, and Susan Sager. It is about a prudish married couple, played by Bartel and Warnoff, who resort to killing and robbing affluent swingers to earn money for their dream restaurants. The writers commissioned a single-issue comic book based on the film for promotion. It was created by underground comic creator Kim Deitch. What I'm going to do is cut to the trailer of Eating Raul. Be right back. Bland. You two live in the building. You must swing, right? Wrong. Good night. We're so lucky to have found each other. A 
typical American couple. I know. Good night, dear. Sweet dreams. With a typical American dream and typical American problems. You are through at Clay Liquor. Mr. Leach, I'm sure the bank has nothing to worry about. It's going to get everything that's coming to it. The bank wants to see what it's getting oh, into. With the Blands, life was just a rat race. A cartoon mouth. Oh, great. Trigger likes you already. Oh, we like B&D, but we don't like S&M. We met at the A&P. But they found a way to beat it. <laughs> Until... Mr. Raul Mendoza, como esta usted? They met a hot-blooded, emotional, crazy Chicano. I'm a hot-blooded, emotional, crazy Chicano. Eating Raul. Is it a thriller? Is it a romance? This was very wrong. Is it a tragedy? Excuse me. May I sit down? Yes. Is it a comedy? Yes, but not the type that you're used to. Eating Raul, rated R. Welcome back to Literalizes Podcast. We're discussing Eating Raul from 1982. So, Joe, what are your thoughts about Eating Raul? Um, well, as somebody who just saw the movie for the first time like a year or two ago, I... Like I had always heard of it and I never really knew what to expect. And then when I finally saw it, it is, it is such a funny, hilarious movie. I love their depiction of LA. Right. Um, and I, I love that everyone, everyone in LA is some kind of sex fiend. I, I think that's is this supposed <laughs> to be West Hollywood or is this just uh, LA well, proper? I, yeah. I think it is kind of what, I mean, the areas are West Hollywood, uh, but yeah, I, I love uh, I love the depiction of LA. It's just a place where, like, just uh, uh, you know, like, just sex weirdos live, and every everybody's a pervert. Everybody's trying to fuck somebody, and yeah, <laughs> it's kind of true. It is. I, re I remember when I first moved to LA. Um, one of the people I met said, "Well, you're you're living in LA, so you're either trying to get into show business or fuck somebody in show business." That's pretty accurate. <laughs> that's kind of what. That's kind of what uh, what you're there for. Um, I love, uh, yeah, I love Mary Warren off in this. I, and Paul, Paul Bartel is so perfect. So pitch perfect as you know, the, the snooty puritanical uh, <laughs> puritanical in this. Yeah. But he's, he's always great. as just a snooty. I'm better than you. Uh, he does you it know, well too. Even when, even when he's the underling in the, in the beginning at, you know, he, he's working for, uh, for the guy at the liquor store. He's got oh, yeah. to get the fine wine because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell somebody to drink the cheap stuff. And the, you know the, his boss points us we're not gonna be able to sell this four hundred dollar bottle stuff. Here. We don't have the we don't have the clientele for that. Oh God, everything about him in this movie. Um, uh, I I I love how he gets jealous of Raul before he even knows anything is happening before anything even does happen. I think. I remember correctly from last. I just watched it last night. Uh, I, I, I don't yeah, know. well, I mean, because the, the the big introduction is when he breaks into their. Well, he's selling locks, isn't he? Well, he's selling the lock. Well, the first time they see. Well, him, he's breaking he's, into houses. Yeah, the first. Yeah, time they see but they him, didn't have any like connection with him. I mean, he he, um, he, Raul kind of eyes up Mary up and down, but I don't. Oh think, yeah. I don't think Paul. I don't think Paul Bland. 
um, you know, noticed him at that point, sort of thing. He, yeah, he, I mean, everybody's trying to fuck uh, uh, Mary in this, so it's it's. This is every, definitely pre AIDS. Single days. man in this movie is trying to fuck Mary Bland. It's, it's I know it's like everybody wants her. She's got a cute figure. You got in that. Yeah, she does. She's got a beautiful figure. <laughs> well, I have this. You know, the thing is, is that at this time. Why swapping and swinging were still a thing as well. This is like the end of that whole era where it was all about wow. swinging. And, I don't think I mean, it what, ever stopped. Not here in Dallas. It's, yeah, but I'm talking about. But I'm saying that. But I mean, it was. I mean, it was mainstream, really. I mean, that's what Three's Company was pretty much about. I don't all. know. They weren't sleeping with John Ritter, though. They made sure everybody knew no. that. No. Well, I, I, to be honest, I always thought John Ritter's supposed to have been gay in that, but but yet he's always Well, he was pretending women, so. to be gay, so Mr. Roper wouldn't mind if he stayed there because he was a yeah. weirdo, too. I'm not... John Ritter's not a gay person out there for anyone who wants to... You know, he's, he's never, he never was gay, but he always acted gay in everything right. he did. He did a good job at it, though. <laughs> yeah so but what i'm saying is is like swinging and stuff like that because remember you had um the ropers and they were kind of like right well but know, she was all... sex star because her husband would never put out that's <laughs> why she saying, was the way she was stanley it, <laughs> remember stanley <laughs> but i mean so i mean it's so all that swinging and all you know all the sex and i mean we were everything was quite out there i mean if you look at you know you know Did come the out ice... like late 70s this Three's came out in 82. Three's Company, 82? Oh, no. 77, 78, around that time. 76, maybe. Um, but, I mean, you know, if you look at Ang Lee's Ice Storm, it takes place around this time period that Eating World takes place. Right. You know, we're scored, you know they're all wife swapping. So. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the AIDS epidemic a couple years later kind of put the kibosh on. on That's on, what I'm saying. This is definitely pre-AIDS. Kind of or the beginning really started of it. spinning out of control and people started really getting ill. Or watching um but watching the well AIDS was like 1980. Well, 79 was the beginning of it. I think right. it was 81, 82 80, is when people really started. Yeah, this is out. right before. Yeah, at 84 is when it came out because that tide is high, but I remember if it was, just came out that summer, that summer it came out, sort of thing. Um, but um but it's funny when I was I watched this today actually after did my shopping and stuff and I find that Paul Bartel is the LA version of John Waters. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. a lesser John Waters. No, the thing is, I mean, um, John Waters is like a Baltimore version, you know. And Baltimore is a different place. I mean, if you but if you look at some of the stuff that's in there. Um, because they would have, they have two different kinds of sensibilities anyway. But well, they they're kind both of delving into bad taste, basically, no matter what. Yeah, and but but you know, Paul Bartel basically, you know, but you know, Paul Bartel is like it looks like the same kind of budget that John Waters had, you know, later, you know, a little bit later, like po the polyester poem days. Right. But if you look at you know his films and this and um down and out and not down and out Beverly Hills um. Cross struggles in Beverly Hills, another Paul Bartel film, and he has other. He always uses the same people, so he has his own stable of actors he uses over and over and over again. John Waters does the same thing. They tend to always have the same kind of budget going at around the same time. So yeah, that's why I quite like. It's like oh, it's like what this is like watching an upscale John Waters film. Well, it's 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 um he's kind of a 
almost although this wasn't produced by Corman, I don't think it's it's kind of got it's a lot of Corman people involved, and that's right. They they, they kind of became they they kind of all like just ended up in each other's movies. Well, she used uh, to do a lot with um uh God, what was the weird artist there? Begins with a W. Why am I having a block? Oh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. She yeah. was a huge Andy Warhol girl. Um, he, but Paul Bartel, yeah, she, she was Paul Bartel has Mary Warren off in almost everything. Uh, Joe Dante pops up in this John Paragon pops up in this, um, John Landis pops up in this. So you get that, that kind of like all those people that were, you know, at like the, the new world, uh, in the new world universe, just kind of all just showing up for these movies. And then later on, he'll end up in like, uh, Jim Wynorski's movies, I'm surprised Dick Miller didn't pop up in this. He's the only one that seems to be missing. Um, so yeah, he does kind of have that same stable because they, they all end up in each other's things. Uh, well, Robert Belchin shows up in all par- Paul Bartel's films as well. Yeah, he does. Uh, e- e- well, uh, oh, wow. Uh, e- well, he wasn't he in a, and that, weren't all three of them in Night of the Comet? Yes. Were all three of them or was it just She Warnock was. I don't know if Paul Bartel was. I know Warnock. Uh, Richard Belchin was. Raul was. Beltran, oh, that's Beltran right. That's Warnock. right. Yeah, Belchin right. and Warnock definitely were. I don't remember if Bartel was. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. seeing him in Night of the Comet, but I can look it up real quick. He's not one for subtlety, though. You know how we're always no. talking about subtlety? No, There's zero not. subtlety in any of this movie. Zero. So. Was he in... Um, uh, yeah. I mean, Mary Warnoff, the thing is, I always remember her because she used to do like those women prison movies as well. Yeah. She did so a lot of age type stuff. And and the bat and she also did the best Charlie's Angels episode where they go to prison and she's the um she's the one like has to spray them down. And of course she is. <laughs> she she was actually one of those women in prison movies with Lloyd, uh prison a go go. Lloyd Kaufman and Mary Warnoff are in that one. Um, Women Behind Bars. I think she's in that, isn't she? I think she's in one of the... uh, Is she in the first Chain Heat or in the second? Yeah, she's in in one of those. But yeah, she's in a lot of those. I watched Uh, her in an interview with Paul Bartel on YouTube. and It was back in the day when they were doing it. And they were talking about, you know, why they did this and why they did that. And it's just... they, they, They just have zero... Filters. (laughs) Filters. <laughs> no, they don't, Zero they don't no filter whatsoever. That's, that, like you said, he's not subtle at all. No matter and no matter what, even when he's acting, like he is so over the top in everything he's in that he stands out. Like in um which was he in Gremlins One or Gremlins Two, where he's Ew. the theater rusher that goes to get Hulk Hogan to take to, to take the Gremlins out. I want to say <laughs> two. No, wait, it's the first one, isn't it? No, wait. No, it's no, the second they did one. The first, this isn't the second one they were in the theater? Because the, fir- the first one was 1984 before you know Hulk Hogan was just starting to become a star. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, 91 would be the one where Hulk Hogan was already like an established star. I remember star. the theater. That's such a awesome scene. Hulkster, there, there are gremlins in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, killer Party, he was the best part of Killer Party, I thought. I loved him yeah. in Killer Party. Um, I just love every... Uh, and then uh, Paul and Mary Bland show up in uh, Chopping Mall. Yeah, Jim Warnowski's chopping wall at the very beginning. Um, you notice how they have their name as bland because they're very yes. boring and bland human beings. I mean, and how he, do you look like that? She's got well, a great figure. He's actually a pervert, and they got this puritanical 
sensibility going on where they don't like swingers, they don't like sex, everything is ooh. And you got the, that's what makes it so funny, the dynamic. Everything, everything about the, including the name of the restaurant is bland. It's Paul and Mary's Country Kitchen. <laughs> I know. It just sounds so bland. It's not. Well, if he's a connoisseur of wines and fine food well, and fondue, yeah, you but, don't get that country kitchen. Yeah, but you got to also you also got to remember what was the name of the restaurant before they changed it to that name. I don't remember. Chase Bland, Bland, C H E Z Bland, Chase Bland, Chase <laughs> Bland. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Okay. I mean, another thing. I mean, Par Bartel. Uh, I mean, they did Lust in the Dust with Divine. That's Divine, yeah. <laughs> and he and Paul Bartel directed that. So I, so it was kind of, you know, when you sit there and you do it. I would like, I've got to, I, I know they exist somewhere, but when you Google the outtakes and shit like this, I mean, that puts me on the floor just laughing. I mean, it's so damn funny. I mean, another thing that Paul Bartel and Mary Wanoff did together is one of the most ultimate rock and roll movies of all time. Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones. Really? And that was... And uh, that was Joe Dante editing or directing? Directing, yeah. probably. I think Joe Dante directed that, I think. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... But he didn't do my... Who, was he in My Dinner with Andre, Paul Bartel? It doesn't he, say that. Does he show up in that? I don't, uh, I, I've never... Maybe I got. Maybe I might have him confused with someone else. What did he have to do with Frankenweenie for some reason? He was probably just helping he out Um. He was, uh, he, uh, he, he's in the short film of Frank and Weenie, which he's only, you know, it's a, that, that, not the movie Frank and Weenie. Frank and Weenie started out as a short film by. I guess Elastic. they never did. He had a second one that was going to come out. It was called, um, let me see, it was Eating Raul. And he was going to do a second Eating Raul. And it was called. Yeah, Vestron pulled the funding, unfortunately. Bland I, I, something. It was just, but Bland something. It was called Bland something. It's going to make me nuts until I can find it again. Um. Well, the actually eating Raul is his big cult movie. It you know it it really is. Then he died. He didn't. I mean, he didn't die much. I mean, he was good. Yeah, unfortunately, he he died pretty uh, relatively young. He was only like sixty. Yeah, he, lived, so he had liver lot, cancer. Yeah, there was so much more he could have done, which really is a shame because I he's fantastic. He's uh, yeah, he was Mr. Walsh in Frank and Frankenweenie, which I do not remember. I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen. Yeah, the, I know my the, brain the, isn't the, working really. I mean, but they I just mean, say this had... world is overflowing with sexual freaks. I'm glad we found each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because he was he was an op- apparently he was very openly gay and stuff like this. But for some reason, I when I when I grew up and you know they I, I would see all these movies that they did together. And for some reason, I always thought they were married. <laughs> married or enough. I mean, she was like his muse in a way. So well, they kind of they had such they a rapport with each other and everything that they did, and then you know you see interviews with them and you know and all the other stuff. And, and I remember they, I remember I I don't know what they, I, when they were promoting a life struggle or no what's not, I can't. They showed up on the Tonight Show or or one of those kind of shows together, and they were very very you could tell they were very very close sort of thing. Yeah. They have a chemistry, even their friendship or whatever, but they definitely have common love for each other, whatever that is, or that then was, because you could tell that you put through their interviews, because that's where I find out, you know, I find, I just go dig up old interviews, because that's where you find out where people's head were when they were making that, those films at that time. Things might change, you know, 10 years later, but that's where they were when they made it. 
That uh, now I remember what I saw him in. He was he was in that classic um, TV series Armistead Mopin's Tales of the City. Paul Bartel appeared in those as well. I've never which seen is that. Based on, uh, it's excellent. That's where that's where Laura Linney comes from. Is that TV series? Uh, all right. And um, and what's her name was in it as well. The one who does like Dog and Show, and she was also in oh, uh, Christopher Guest. No, um, the girls. She was also in Lost in Space. What's her name? I'm blanking. We know <laughs> this too. For some reason, we got Christmas head game going on. <laughs> But um, yeah, but if you ever get a chance to see Tales in the City, I highly recommend it because a lot of actors got started in that. Olympia Dukakis was in that as well, and it's based on the best-selling book series sort of thing. So it was a it was a British American television series that kind of was it eighties seventies, nineties, nineties. Okay, wow. Well, yeah, they, they, they actually they actually closed it off. Um, Netflix did a final series of it because um, it was really hard trying to get the money between. It was PBS paying for it and a, a, a UK television studio over here paying for it. So two of them were paying for it. So every year that they're trying to do another one is getting more and more because PBS is PBS, isn't it? So I remember it was one of the first movies I watched on HBO when it came, HBO came out and that little black box of the little switch that went one way or the other. There was no any, that was analog as it gets. What, uh, what movie was that? Eating Raul oh. was one of the first Oh, Eating Raul. Oh, so you've seen it back then. Okay. It was one I of the first there, things I watched on HBO. I have to sit there and say that in um, 1992, um, they turned this into a musical. And I, I went saw and saw that. it. It was in London in 2000. I saw it. I and didn't it was, see it, but I saw that they made it. But, but it was Adrian Zemed as the part of Ruel, Raul. How did that and, work uh, out? How did that work out? Excellent. It was freaking bloody fantastic. Uh, I would think Adrian Zemed would make an awesome Ruthie, Ruthie Henshaw playing the part of Mary Bland, which she's a huge West End actress here. And Eddie Kerbach, uh, who was the original Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors on Broadway, played. I would um, so pay to watch that. I would so pay to watch that. The musical is fa- the music's fantastic as, as well. I mean, there's songs called, uh, you know, you know, Mary and Paul. <laughs> It's about them getting the restaurant. And the thing is, all the swingers are paid by three people. So those three people are always coming through. Oh, my God, the swingers. Let's take a minute to talk about the swingers. <laughs> <laughs> Do we start right at the beginning with the first one that uh, they think drowns in the toilet? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, now, this, I, this is, yeah, go ahead. You know what's amazing is um, Eddie Edie McClure, five yeah. years after Carrie. And uh, like five years before she was Chastity Pariah and uh, she was also the um, uh, Dean Rooney's uh, 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 Principal Principal Rooney's secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And you'd never think of her as a swinger. No, you wouldn't. You know, when you see her show up in movies prior to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you're going, I know her. I know I know who that is. But you don't think of her as a swinger because she seems like an uptight secretary anyway, no matter what she does. Was she the one that brought up the basket job, which I had to look up? (laughs) The what? A basket job. Was that her that brought that up? I've never heard. I I don't. Well, she's the the ones being walked out on the lease by the dominatrix at the. She's the one on on all fours um, being let out on the lease. Was that her? Yeah, because and then you got the, the dominatrix is... giving them all. I remember she shows up as the blind nun and she can't sit down and she falls off the chair. She can't sit in the chair. 
blind. They were trying to set him up. That's what Raul. They were trying. To oh, the uh, that that was uh, the, the Dora the Dominatrix. Yeah, but she yeah. was Dora. Yeah. <laughs> a basket job is a sexual act involving a basket suspended from the ceiling in a manner that allows for it to spin. The basket has a hole in the bottom. A small framed petite woman is folded in half and placed in the basket with her vagina over the hole. A man lies down on a table directly below the basket and inserts his penis into the woman's vagina. A third person then spins the basket until the male achieves. That sounds like it can be dangerous, actually. I don't know for who's the male. I mean, what if that shit gets stuck? I mean, <laughs> you say you saying that if, if we're working A and E, people get people have to get brought in because they get stuck in having sex sometimes, and they get brought in as a couple. No, I've together heard about. I can't wait for A&E. my daughter to give me ER stories when they assign her to a hospital. She's gonna ask her every day. It's a it's a it's a sight to see. You're kind of looking like it just reminds me a lot of being back on the farm with the two dogs. These get stuck together, and you're going. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you expect it out of dogs, but people, you don't really expect that to happen, you know? But that, but yeah, that would be really precarious if that was the case. I mean, I'd be that, scared of... That That just sounds awful. painful. That doesn't sound fun. But, <laughs> A lot of Vaseline. Need lots of lube. But, but Edie, McClure, Edie McClure's line is fantastic. Like, we're in S&M, and, 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 and I'm going to go down to the A&P. And it's just, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> We're, we're not into SM, we're into B and D. We met down at the A and P. Brilliant. Hey, you never know who swingers are. I'm telling you, I got friends and you would never know that they're swingers. They're just mild mannered school teachers and EMTs, some of them. You just never know about them. I I didn't know one of one of my one of my friends was until she started in OnlyFans. And then she's like, Oh yeah, I'm in I'm in I'm in this theater and I just banging all these guys like oh shit I didn't know you were doing that I just always thought okay here's my you know really attractive friend who I didn't realize she was into that but it's something you're not gonna you're not gonna know until you know I mean as far as I'm concerned again be yourself and do whatever just as long as nobody who isn't consenting and yeah, isn't of precisely. age yeah. As long as everybody, oh. as long as everyone involved is a consenting adult, do whatever the hell you want. I'm totally cool with it. And if they're all good looking, give me a call. No kidding. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Keith. I, I wasn't sure how to frame that. <laughs> if they're good Please looking, call me. Call. If they're ugly, I'm busy <laughs> that night. <laughs> Got a podcast to, to tape. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have any filters either, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, no. eating a roll. I mean, eating a roll. I mean, it, it's kind of weird because, you know, I know it's 1982 because you know the research. But for some reason, in my mind, I always think of this film as like a late 70s film. I think of it as a 90s film for some reason. I don't know why it, my head goes to 90s. I mean, it's early enough in the 80s that it kind of has that 70s sensibility, and it kind of looks yeah. like a 70s movie. Yeah, so I, it doesn't I mean, look very... like a 70s to me at all. Well, the, the poly, the shoes, the polyester pants, well, the, the polyester, yeah, I guess. But um, the clothes that they're wearing, the this shit was going on in the '90s too, though. That's why I'm just, I guess. It yeah, just, but yeah. I mean, but you know, like the guy with the denim pants suit on. <laughs> yeah, that was really ugly. You know, and, and like the belt and then the hair and the glasses, you know. I don't know why I kept expecting Rick Moranis to walk out of that room at any time for some reason. <laughs> Well, I had to sit there and say when um they ki- when they killed um when the the banker guy 
um, at the swingers party and she's in the bathroom and he's in, he's in the shower and he gets stops out of the shower. And I thought that girl was dead. It's like, what happened there? I mean, she gets up later and walks out, but I was like, that was weird. I thought at first when I saw her, I had to rewind it. <laughs> I thought it was um, uh, Karen Allen from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark at first. Like, wait a <laughs> second, hold up. I had to rewind. Like, no, it's not. Okay, she just looks a lot like her. Uh, no, it was Deborah imagine- Winger before Turns of Endearment. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine going from I- Raiders of the Lost Ark to to being, uh, you know, the the naked woman in the shower and eating Raul the next year. <laughs> Person's get- gotta have goals. <laughs> I used to get I used to get Karen Allen and um, Deborah Winger mixed up. I can see point. that. I, I can see, see why you would get her mixed up. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I also, I mean, I I love the kitsch of their apartment as well. That whole nineteen sixties setup, you know, and the fifties. It was nineteen fifties. It was nineteen retro. Retro. Ugly stuff. Never. Uh, yeah, with the uh, with the line of uh, uh, yeah, we could sell your mom's 1950s retro stuff. But you find out she's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's it's on loan to us until she dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's uh, trying to kill him when he's in the car because I guess he falls in love with Mary Warnoff. Yeah. Raul does, and he's got that car, and he's you can see his eyes. It's not like a very good disguise, and he's trying to kill him with the car and trying to run him down. <laughs> Oh, uh, one other thing, because I, the, the wonders of, of, of these like 4K masters and 2K masters that they're doing for movies now. Unfortunately, in this case, you can see when Mary Warnoff is leaving to go to the bank when she's leaving the hospital, at least in my version, which is uh, which is from the Criterion. You can see that she's wearing black underwear underneath the white dress, but yeah, then when she dress. comes home, it's all white. Everything she's wearing underneath is white. And I don't know if that comes across. <laughs> in most versions and it's probably something that unless you know obviously in 1982 they didn't think some guy's going to be watching this in 2022 in high definition able able to you see know, through everything but yeah you know it's funny because in, in in the in the broadway musical she wears black underwear underneath her white uh, nurse's uniform the whole time did she have white musical. broad panties i don't think it was black in the movie um, I don't know, but all I'm saying is on, on stage, when they do it on stage, if you see the stills of it on stage, and when I saw it on stage, they always got, when she's wearing a nurse's outfit, she's always wearing the black underwear that shows through for some reason. It, and she's this, when she's wearing the nurse's uniform, you can't always see, but when but when she's wearing the white dress to go to the bank, you can see oh, the white right dress. through it, and you can see that it's it's all black underneath it. But then when she comes home to Paul, it's all oh, white, it's white again. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because I know that, so that, um, that the, nurse, that's what I know. the nurse's it's outfit is always, always kind of black because it kind of shows through on stage and it shows through a little bit here. So, yeah, now I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's I, th- I think in through. this case, you know, it's 1982. They don't think, you know, some guys well, are so sitting there wa- watching a 4K master of this. It's, you know, I keep well, wondering, I mean, I'm trying to put us back into the mindset in 1982. Things are really kind of opening up everywhere as far as you know, people weren't getting as uh, as uptight, and I think that's why movies like this came out. People were starting to find a market for it a little more. I think the eighties well, was just excessive completely. I it mean, this was, is. I mean, at this point, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's you know, you got if you look at the films of the seventies, they're all quite sexually charged. Saturday Night Fever. I mean, right. I mean, it's everything's really gritty, and every it's all gritty sex and gritty. You know, the sex in the 70s are considered the, like the sexual revolution, where it's just like, well, I thought always, every time I watch sex in, the, in like a 70s film, I'm always ready for a shower after I watch that shit. I don't know why. 
Well, it's like but, the last but, house. What you're watching? Last house on the left. You know that movie makes me feel dirty. You know? Sex wasn't exactly consensual in Last House on the Left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're watching Last House on the but Left, but I'm just talking about. Well, you know, I'm just saying it's just so seventies. You know. Yeah, but what, but what I'm saying, what I, I think then when you got to like the late seventies and stuff like this, sex. I mean, everything was quite. You know, I mean, there's a lot of sex going on in films and stuff like this. You know, Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever is a gritty, horrible sex thing. I mean, Donna Pesco doing getting gang banged at the back of the you know the car, and I mean, I know that everyone has this version of Saturday Night Fever in their head, like it's this fantastic disco movie. But when well, you watch it, it's a gritty. Well, he's a calling her. There's two cuts. You know? He goes, you're, "You're big now." You know, there's two I mean, cuts of it. That's why. Well, that's because Greece came out and Greece was a hit, so they decided yeah. to cut it for the Greece for the Greece people. Well, what they like did back then might have, might have seen the PG version, and that might be why they think of the movie the way they do. Well, Maybe. I remember watching Greece and Saturday Night Fever at the drive-ins, Black River drive-ins. Be exact. So you probably you probably got the PG versions because they we showed did them not. Well, no, we we got well. See, remember when how Sandy you know, slams the door and hits John Travolta in the balls with that. And then all of a sudden that's stuck in people's mind. And then it happens in Saturday Night Fever where he just, you know, slams the door and he gets his balls in again. But I mean, they didn't cut out the rapes. Well, really wasn't rape. She was drunk. She was high. I don't know. They were gang. They were gang banging her. Basically. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, she's being gang banged. It wasn't a cool gang. Well, she wanted to sleep with John Travolta. He didn't so want to. So she wanted to make him jealous. So, it didn't work. So make herself by sleeping with his one friend. And then his one friend finishes with her and gets all his other friends the to do it buddies, with her. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's gangbanging. That's basically, know? yeah. And I don't think, I, and to be honest, she didn't look like she was very happy afterwards. She looked like she was a bit well, tormented by it. Well, she probably should have so, yeah. She probably so, I mean, made a better choice and not got in the car. Well, it probably didn't help. I mean, she, you know, she's, you know, whatever, whatever the reasons, but I mean, it is what it is. But, it was a sad part of the movie. But saying that, I mean, there, there's, I mean, but there, I mean, it was the sexual revolution in the 70s. It was all about sex and swa- wife swapping. And that, oh, yeah. in the 70s are known when sex came to the suburbs. Well, then That's on the top of that, you had for. the rise of well, feminism. You know, people well, were burning their bras. Well, that was the sixties more, but then yeah, in the seventies, yeah, seventies well, they were still burning. Sexual, sexual liberation, sexual liberation. If you go into, if you go and watch Merv Griffin or Tony, and look at the some of the, um, those interviews they were talking about, and they talk a lot about the sexual liberation of the seven. You know, that's because they're living in yeah. it that time. Period. Well, in the, right. in they're the not reflecting back on it. They're talking about it because that's when you had a lot of those British movies like "Can You Keep It Up for a Week" and. Uh, 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 the all pair girls, and then in the U.S. you had like the Joe Sarno Eman- Emmanuel becomes Emmanuel one of the biggest movies. box office. Oh, I remember um, the Emmanuel De- movies. De- Debbie does well, Emmanuel- Dallas. Well, the Emmanuel there were huge movies, movies in the '70s. Yeah, in the Emmanuel movies, you had the Sylvia Crystal like more like high class Emmanuel movies, then you had like the down and dirty Italian ones that like. Uh, Joe D'Amato and oh, God, uh, yeah. those people. And, but, you, but you had you had. You had people going going out at the night in the movies in the 70s going to see Deep Throat as yeah. a date movie, which is uh, hardcore porn. Yeah. When you watch Taxi Driver, you know, Robert De Niro's uh, Travis Bickle, he doesn't know better. He just takes Sybil Shepherd to a porno because yeah. I see a lot of couples going into it. He doesn't know what the hell it is. Yeah, that uh, movie's that movie's so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is far. It is, it is, it is the greatest so movies ever made. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, sex, sexual liberation. I mean, and um, and, and you know, and being gay, of- being gay wasn't a problem at this period of time either. You know, you had the village people. Yes, yes, Studio Fifty Four, no. where yeah. where you, you people were going to Studio Fifty Four and having sex in front of everyone on the dance floor. Right, when you Literally watch having um, sex. when you watch uh, Summer of Sam, uh, that's set in yeah. the seventies. You have that yeah. whole scene where John Leguizamo takes uh, takes his wife to takes his wife to a club and he gets upset because she get you know she starts you know she starts fucking somebody else in the club and, and everyone else sees it as no big deal but then you see him get jealous uh, uh, over it in the movie um so yeah there was a lot of that um and it was I, the I mean, rise it, of john well it was the rise of hardcore porn in the 70s yeah. you know yes, and, it was like something that wasn't Johnny just, Holmes, you know, all that stuff that was a big deal back then yeah something that wasn't just like you know these these little black and white stag loops that like you you'd pick up on 42nd street well, wasn't so, johnny holmes doing it with a john holmes was making cop kind of porn movies where he was an action hero you know yeah. well, Dirk, Dirk, boogie, what boogie, that's, what, that's, what, that's what boogie nights is about boogie nights yeah. is about this time period yeah. yeah boogie nights is loosely based on john holmes though i mean loosely. what kind what kind of killed all this was ronald right i love that movie what is it where who, who is it what was his name the actor where they go in there and he's playing night ranger and they got the firecrackers going <laughs> I don't remember the actor's name. He um, plays the guy, the octopus guy, and in, in Spider-Man. I mean, that's, that's a, the climax of the movie, basically. I, I, I'm trying to remember the. Oh actor's my name. god! They're 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 snorting all that coke, and he's yeah. got all this fucking firecrackers. They're playing Night Ranger. <laughs> what the fuck? But um, but during I mean during this period, I mean, what killed what killed all this as well? AIDS is part of it, but it also was Ronald Reagan that killed. And the it rise of like the Jerry Falwells of the right. world. And, yeah, you know, because what yeah, we guys let's go back to fa- well, it's all about let's go back Richard to family Molina. values. Richard Molina. Yeah, Alfred Molina. Uh, maybe? Alfred, Alfred, Alfred Molina. Molina. Yeah, Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. And that and that's what kind of killed the whole sexual liberation and stuff like that was Reagan with his let's get back to. Christian values. Let's get back to family values, and then we had the AIDS crisis coming. I love family that, values, so. and I like some decent values, but I like I like them not to touch my movies and leave my shit alone. I mean, just stay, stay out of people's bedrooms. Yes, that's, please. That's that, that's a big one. Unfortunately, once that's you start all. Letting, yeah, really, we don't need to know what. In, yeah, once you start letting in people like Falwell, you know, you're you know, you're gonna you're gonna have that issue where. They they oh can't God, they can't just accept that people are going to just do what they like just and people buy me. into that bullshit even though they're even though he's in a car one of his eighteen cars that God has bestowed upon him yeah. you know and then they're the they're is, glass cathedral yeah but you got, but you, you gotta you gotta realize that when these kind of things rise it's normally I mean the seventies was a fantastic time for music it was a fantastic time for film it was a fantastic time for entertainment. But it wasn't a fantastic time to live. Everyone was poor. Yeah. Every, uh, you had it the energy rough. crisis. You had all the unions. You had factories closing down. You had huge, the highest unemployment that America's ever seen. UK as well. And so basically, okay. because what what rises out of that is normally what rises out of that kind of situation is fantastic horror. Yeah. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, this wave comes through where people are looking to Christ to save them from their poverty and Christ to save them from this. And if we go, basically, this is happening to us because we're all sitting. So now let's go back to family values when everything was wholesome and we all had, you know, because you have this idea that everything too. was better. The 20s yeah. and 30s, too. Yeah. Yeah. You had, depression. The 20s, you had the roaring 20s leading into the depression. And then you had, you know, the the Catholics uh, starting the Hayes Code in the 30s because our right. entertainment. 
yeah, is yeah. getting. Well, we've had a good run on horror this year, so. Well, we're 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 living in you know we're living in desperate times at the we moment. We are. That's it's what like, I'm saying. Like, we've had a good run on horror. Horror has but, been good to us this year. It really. Has. But I mean, but if you look, I mean, if you look at it, then what what rose during that time? Horror rose at that time, and sort of like this. And then what happens is the 50s. We have this clean, wholesome image, which is like the 80s, which is also clean image sort of thing. And then now we are basically where we were in the 60s, where you have all, you know, like, oh, let's talk about equal rights and all this other stuff. And that all the, things become a little bit all to the left now, which is what we got now. But now we're coming out of the 60s now. And now we're going back into the 70s, which is basically what we're living in now is the 70s recreated, but it's a yeah. 2020 spin on it. And what happened? I just thought we had a killer year. We had a killer year for for, for movies. I'm really happy. This has been a good year for but, movies. But horror, but horror, right? Horror always rises during desperate times. I'm, yeah, you're right. That is that would have been a great thesis when I was in college. Awesome. I don't when know you, why I think of these things now. When you get away from just like the massive mainstream movies this year, and you get away from like just the just the kind of all, you know, the all superhero movies. A lot of the stuff that was bubbling underneath that has gone straight to streaming has been really, really good this year. It has. Yeah. It really has. Uh, I mean, who, who would have thought my favorite movie of the year so far might be, I mean, I haven't seen Glass Onion yet. It might be a, a movie about two Irish guys where one of them wants to end their friendship. Like yeah. that's to me is just that's holy shit. Or, that's... or it's a black and white. Well, it wasn't this year. It's at the lighthouse. I might never get over the lighthouse. <laughs> the lighthouse was a couple of years ago. I can't get over the lighthouse. I, I was being really pissed off when I was in the theater uh, for the lighthouse because I went to the theater to see it, and I used to constantly see all these people bitching on social media about there's nothing new in cinema. There's nothing new. It's all so this. They make all something this, new. But then when I was in the theater, I was the only one in there. I'm like, where the fuck is you. everybody when something when something groundbreaking actually comes out? You don't show up for it. Exactly. It's like keep your mouth shut. Then yeah, I hear you. But I also think that the reason why the you know like Terrifier two and all these other kind of films um, that have done really well, it seems like independents are now coming back because independents independent films are well. It's what it's what you're going to see something new, something exciting, something feels a bit fresh. Yeah. Where at the moment we do have, you know, it, d- it does seem that we do have a lot of retreads, remakes, reboots, and oh, and the same kind of thing going over and over by the Hollywoods because films are expensive, and if yeah. you're going to spend millions and millions of pounds on making a film, then you're gonna, you're probably going to want to use a, you know, something that people are going to identify, because you're going to spend millions because we're now. Look at Pearl. Well, that mean that was just. <laughs> yeah. I love Pearl. Oh. I, I love like just like A24. The thing I love about A24 yeah. is they just let these excuse me, they just let these filmmakers go. Just go yes, make your movie exactly. the way you need to make it. I um, love that about them. You know, and I think they also take well if they get a hit like Hereditary was a hit, then they put the money back into it's not yeah. like okay, well let's let, let's live off the proceeds of this. You know, yeah. and they go, okay, let's put it back. But I mean, if you look at all great horror films anyway, they're all great horror films have always been independent anyway. Halloween yeah. was independent. Friday the 13th was an independent film. I know it's hard to believe that. Now, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one was an independent film. It wasn't a mainstream film. It was an independent film. Was Town Dreaded Sundown? That was independent too, wasn't That was it? an independent film, yeah. Terminator was an independent film. Yeah. Was it? I mean, Texas the Chainsaw Massacre one? was. Yeah, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre apparently might have been funded by the mafia from, from what I've been reading. No shit. Yeah, okay, it might have been funded that by one. the mafia. Well, that the the last house on the left was um, funded by a Christian group. Yeah. <laughs> Do they know well, what they they funded? Well, uh, Wes Craven was apparently like uh, was apparently very or grew up in a very Christian environment, and it was at, it, it was he started kind of coming out of it around the time that Last House on the Left was being made i mean it's basically the virgin spring when you really yeah which was uh, a, a huge critically successful foreign film which film yeah. was that i didn't catch it the virgin the virgin springs it's a it's a, a bergman, bergman film isn't it yeah it's a bergman film uh it's ingmar bergman and he basically just remade it with you know just this much sex and violence as he can put on screen <laughs> So, uh, and the reason why is because him and Sean Cunningham figured, well, this is the best way to make money quickly because they want, because Sean Cunningham wanted to make films about boys, um, ba a boys baseball team or something yeah. at a summer camp. So they go, I mean, okay, we need to make money for this. So we'll do this and this will make quick money and no one will ever see it again, but this will make money so we can make uh, wholesome family films. That's what they were hoping for. Well, I mean, if, uh, if you've seen the movie Ed Wood, what uh, you know, when, when he gets the the yeah. ministers to put up the money for Plan Nine from Outer Space, he goes, "Well, what, what we should do is we should make a a horror picture." I have the final footage of Bella Lugosi. We'll, we'll make a horror picture. It'll make so much money that you didn't can didn't he die halfway through the film though, right? Because that's why Lugosi died this. before the film even started. I, well, he had didn't, he had one scene, right? Uh, it was Ed Wood was shooting stuff with him uh, that that he later uh, pushed into yeah. a movie. <laughs> and, yeah, like like um, gives you a new appreciation for Ed Wood. We could we could do a whole season on fucking Ed Wood, easy, <laughs> like really good. Yeah. I mean, well, you're probably I mean, gonna want to kill yourself by the probably. end. Probably, <laughs> it'll probably be up there with killing yourself. <laughs> but, I mean, us. I, I, I mean, what Tim Burton's film doesn't go into is Ed Wood was doing porn, a lot of porn stuff towards the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vampira. Uh, I forget which movie it was, but Vampira had a falling out with Ed Wood because she showed up on set. And uh, I remember reading in a magazine, and I gotta find the I gotta find the interview where she said he expected me to fuck this college kid in a coffin, and I was like, what? I'm not doing this, and she just walked out. <laughs> I mean, um, he, I mean, we, no I mean, idea. he was like, oh, well, there's, there's two movie. there's two versions of Ed Wood. I mean, there there's the real Ed Wood, and then we got the Tim Burton Johnny Depp the Ed Tim Wood. Right, right. So everyone think everyone thinks of Ed Wood as this lovable person, but apparently he the was Johnny that Depp lovable. person. Nobody liked him. If you read anything on his biographies, he was pretty disliked. Well, yeah, because he was saying, yeah, he was kind of a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought, well, I mean, everybody, I thought, well, back then they protected their own. He but was, I thought Hollywood was full of scumbags he was, like that. So. But he was, I mean, he was, he was casting couching as well for parts of his movie. Oh, he was well. definitely casting couch. Well, he, he was also one of those guys who never really paid his bills. He was kind of couch surfing. Like, you know, you'd get, you, like, you wouldn't hear from him for months. And then he'd, he'd knock on your Show door and be like, door. hey, I got evicted. I need a place to stay. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you couldn't, and then you couldn't get rid of him once he was there. Yeah. So he was one of those. Sort of like so. feeding a seagull, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and then the whole time he's trying to get these movies done. And then, yeah. Like, like vampire, vampire is like, I'm 52 years old. I, I don't want to. I don't want to have sex with this guy in a coffin in your movie, Ed. You know? I doubt. I bet. I'm sure that Ed couldn't pay her very well for it either. Oh, probably not. 
I don't think I don't think Edward paid for any of his actors. He I I, um, I believe when he when he died, he was so much in bankrupt from people that he owed money to who were in his films. Yeah, he goes, oh, I'll pay you such and such. He never paid them. And then any the money that any, and if those... the films made any money, he disappeared. <laughs> and you couldn't find him. He used to recruit women from local strip clubs to do stuff in his features. Oh, people still do that. <laughs> I didn't know Ed Wood did it though back in the day. But, um, you didn't know Ed Wood was what? I didn't know he was recruiting strippers back then. I mean, I got a, I just got this weird, this weird nostalgic feeling about back in the day where it was like really, you know, Wizard of Oz, and I really got to change my, because I mean, after I watched Freaks in 1932, I knew that that was Hollywood was definitely. No, I mean it's it was always, already happening back well, the then. Thing is when you get a bunch of artistic people around each other, people are going to start fucking. That's just what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking, you know, uh, snorting coke, and fucking. The, uh, okay. The, uh, I mean, there. I mean, there are stag films, and I mean, the thing. Fatty Arbuckle almost went <laughs> to prison for uh, for raping some actress with a coke bottle. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Lionel uh, Atwell uh, was hosting orgies at his house. Yeah. Yeah, while he was in the um, Universal Monster movies. <laughs> James James Dean allegedly would go to gay, uh, not gay parties, but sex parties and have people put cigarettes out on him because everybody got off on. I've never Jane Man Jane Man Jane Mansfield. And I mean this story goes on and on. I don't get the guy. I don't get the way. Clara Bow, Clara Bow supposedly got mm-hmm. gang banged by the USC football team in the 20s. Supposedly. I don't know if it's true mm-hmm. or not. Get kind of messy after a while. <laughs> well, I mean, but but we had the same thing going. Well, we had, no, but we had the same thing going on in the '60s of rock and roll. Oh yeah, true. I mean, all those people, all those people who are living in, you know, before Charles Manson had his fateful night, all those people were having sex with each other. And they were all mass orgies and everything. You know, Kath, you know, um, Sharon Tate and Roman Plansky when after the murders were and they the police went up to his off. It was all these sex party videotapes that Roman Polanski was making of him and Sharon Stone and all these other guests. Right. But, you know, and all well, that. Her kind and of Jay stuff. Sebring were, were an item now before. I mean, I, why was he there? Were they just really close friends or were they really close friends? I then think again, she Sebring was, and her used to date and then she used, left to date. used to date, but, but maybe they were wife swapping. Who knows? I mean, that happens. Maybe, maybe they were free. Maybe they I, had don't, an open I don't know. We're talking about Roman Polanski. Most of his girlfriends don't have a driver's license. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, aside yeah. from the one, I don't, I don't know about any other. Oh, the one that you there's uh, never just one. If you like one small, no, uh, I, I can, I can, I, I can officially say that Roman Plansky is having difficulties in France at the moment with the school, the girls' school live next door. Then apparently, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. No oh. shit. But, still, after all this time, he's still doing that crap. I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, France has different sex laws <laughs> than America does. So They're very open know. there. If you go to France, and you have, and I, and, and, and when I, when I say school, I. I don't know how old they i mean the, the age of consent in this country is 16. so i don't and france i think it might be 16 15 or 16 so therefore so if he's sleeping with a 15 or 16 year old it's the age of consent i, th- I think in italy i think in italy at least in the 90s when i was going there i think it was like 14 or 15 was the age of consent in italy yeah i think it's 16 now so, it might be 16 now i mean who knows so all I'm saying out, is, you know, you have to you have to go by the law in the country for which they are living. Well, and in Italy, if they're not going to die from rabid sex, they're going to die from smoking cigarettes, <laughs> <laughs> or from the, our hearts exploding from how much uh, how much uh, espresso we drink. Oh my God! Mm. That yeah, 
Yeah, I can drink a lot though myself. I, I had 12 shots of espresso on Sunday. Everyone at my job was like, you're gonna die. Stop. I when we were in Istanbul, you know, Turkish coffee, I ordered two espressos and that guy was looking at me. I go, it's a little cup, dude. He goes, it's really strong. I go, bring it. Just just give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess before we move on to the next film, what would you rate Eating Raul? Starting with you, Joe, how many stars would you give Eating Raul? Four and a half to five. I love this movie. Um, I, I, I think it's, I, I love the parody aspect of, uh, of you know, the, the kind of free love thing. I, I, I love the, and I love Paul and Mary Bland being parodies of the prudish people who would hate that. I absolutely, I, I love that their name is Bland. And they, they yes. are completely like, no, I want nothing to do with the sexual revolution. Um, uh, and, and Mary does find out when she, uh, when, when she smokes, uh, smokes up with, uh, with Raul that, uh, you know, the lifestyle might not be that not bad. Just, it's just not weed. It's tie stick. Yeah. Tie <laughs> stick. That's what it was. I was trying to remember tie the stick. name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. It's got, it's so, it's so completely offbeat. And, and it so, aged well, don't you think? I still think it aged well. At least yeah, me. it's completely, it's completely bonkers, and I love it for that. And what about yourself, Vix? I'm with Joe, four and a half to five. I can't even really figure out why I would give it a four and a half, but it's it's a lot of fun. It makes fun of, you know, it just makes fun of a lot of people, yep. and, it, and that's what makes it fun. What, Joe? You know, I, I, I think I might give it five because it's, it's, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's only like 85 minutes long. No, it gets so to the like point. For, it, does, it, never, it doesn't have time to drag because no. it's, it's so quick. And by the way, I cannot recommend the, the Criterion Edition enough. And the, uh, the liner notes and the essay are in a uh, little menu. Oh, <laughs> wow, that is so cool. Yeah, that's right. I did like the part where she needed a new frying pan because she was oohed out. By eating out of a frying pan that had killed so many people. That we were using to kill people. <laughs> yeah, so she wanted something else. That, yeah, I mean, it, it's a fun movie. It's 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 raw. It, it's just funny as hell. I mean, if you, I, it just is. People got to laugh a little and untighten un their, their ass a little bit. But it, it's just good, clean fun as far as I'm concerned. And Mary Warnock, as a puritanical whatever, just is funny as shit. <laughs> so... Because she's far from the puritanical type. I mean, especially when, especially when everyone around her is like, "No, babe, you're hot. You you shouldn't be." I know everybody <laughs> tries to rape her throughout the whole movie. I've never seen somebody get raped or attempted oh, rape so we, much on one human being. And we didn't even mention that they're married, but they sleep in separate twin beds. I know they got the twin beds. That's right, the twin beds. <laughs> And well, she's got I, her little dollies on her when she's sleeping. She's got her fur things. Where the hell they are? But the funny yeah, thing also is because what, what kind of fits with their 1950s um, furniture, because remember, like, 1950s married couples on TV always slept in two step, separate beds because yeah. they, were, they, were, they weren't allowed to show it. It's, it's, not, it's not only we're, we're – it's the whole idea of sex seems to be, like, just completely, like, repulsive to them. Well, even, think about it. Each it other. really blows people's minds, especially over here stateside. I've traveled a little bit, and sex is not a big deal anywhere except here. 
We were the yeah. only ones freaking. Where everybody's fucking, but nobody wants to talk about it. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, that's the, the people I get along with best are the people who are just like, yeah, fuck it. I, yeah, I fuck. Yeah, whatever. Like, it, like I love, like I love joking about sex because it's something that's so easy to joke about because it's it funny. is. It is funny at the end of the day. It's so the, the act itself is ludicrous, but we all do it. We all have to do it because otherwise we'd go insane. Why shouldn't we joke about it? Why shouldn't we be open about it? You know, or it's, better it's not, yet, have fun at expense of others who don't like sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which this movie does. I mean, this movie has fun with both sides. Yeah. It's very, it's it doesn't very, it very much rides the middle. Yeah. I, I it's just good clean fun. I, I loved it. It's some it's just a fun movie. Good, clean fun about sex. Yes, it is, damn it. <laughs> With a little murder and a little macabre and a trash compactor to boot. I'm people be fed dog five stars. I mean, the movie, and the thing is, this, the, the characters progress. I mean, be, because of her relationship with Raul, her and Paul end up having a sexual relationship afterwards. So they grew as a couple. Do they? Did they though? I was kind of under the impression they did. Yeah, they get no. They get a like. They, I think they go and buy a double bed. Oh. That's what, uh, they they do that in the musical anyway. They go and grab get a double bed at the end of the musical. So, but but the thing is, is like he becomes jealous. He becomes <laughs> jealous of her, and she becomes jealous of him. So it's kind of like this kind of thing that they didn't. That's what they didn't say. Their marriage turns. Does it turn turnabout sort of thing? All I know is that I need to get me some tie stick. <laughs> There's oh. Vicky, you have tie stick. It's just in gummy bear form. It is. <laughs> I, I also like the fact that the title is derived from like the last like two minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. There's no eating Raul. I know. And movie. you know what? He looks like the, looks like they're eating chip beef on toast, which really grossed me <laughs> out thinking that it was a human and that guy was just shoveling it down his face. <laughs> or... <laughs> cheap meat. Because you've done wonders with this cheap meat. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheap meat is right. Is this, you know? is this French? No, it's it's Mexican. It's Spanish. So, yeah, yeah this is Spanish. 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 Mexican. It's, it's a kind of Mexican. Well, this brings us to our next movie, which is Cannibal the Musical, or originally known as Alfred Packer the Musical. It's a 1993 American black comedy musical film directed, written, produced, co-scored by the starring and starring Trey Parker in his directorial debut while studying at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Before reaching fame with South Park alongside his friend Matt Stone, who also stars in and produces the film. It is loosely based on the true story of Alfred Packer and the sordid details of the trip from Utah to Colorado that left his five fellow travelers dead and partially eaten. <laughs> Trey Parker, credited as Juan Swartz, stars as Alfred Packer with frequent collaborators Stone, Dan Bakker, and others playing the supporting role. 
A live stage version was performed at Sierra College in Rockland, California in May 1998. It was followed by Dad's Garage Theater in Atlanta, Georgia in the fall of 1998. The Dad's Garage version is highlighted in the special features of the trauma DVD release of the movie. The show has continued to find small theaters and audiences across America and beyond for many years. In 2001, a production was staged off-Broadway at the Kane Theater on East 4th Street in New York. A large-scale um, stage production was produced by the rival theater company at 2008 Edinburgh F Festival, Fringe. It featured West End performers and was actually executively produced by Joseph McHugh and directed by Fraser Brown, winning 12 awards for Best Musical in Fringe Theater. In 2001, producer Jason McHugh released a book titled Subdorical, The Making of Cannibal the Musical, which chronicles all aspects of the creation and continuation of Cannibal the Musical, The Cult Phenomena. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Cannibal the Musical and be right back. Cold winter of 1874, six men set out on a journey through the Colorado Rockies. They were looking for gold, but what they found was that they were completely lost. I'm Alfred Packer. This is my horse, Leanne. In the tradition of Friday the 13th, part two, and Oklahoma, comes the first intelligent film about cannibalism. Gross, Packer. So let's build the man, we can make him our best friend. We can name him Shannon, Shannon Wilson Bell. We can make him tall, or we can make him not so I'm shatterproof. There's nothing you can show me. I'm still standing tall, so you all can blow me. I'm shatterproof. Hello, welcome back to the Literary Legends Podcast. We're discussing Cannibal the Musical. And Vix, what are your thoughts of this movie? <laughs> I watched it more than twice. I literally pissed myself watching this. I think I was laughing even harder when you were watching it at the same time and we were texting each other on WhatsApp. Because, well, one, I was high as space balls the other night ago watching this, and I just lose it when that guy's like, you looking at my eye? <laughs> <laughs> you looking at my eye? You looking at my eye? <laughs> He's got all that pus squirting out of his eye and stuff. There's nothing about this movie I, I cannot fault. I have never seen something so goddamn funny in my life. Your it's, like, it's like Monty Python meets, uh, oh, God, what, what other, what would I want to say? It's, it's like a combination of stuff you see. And I mean, they're just making fun of all kinds of shit. And the music's not even bad. I mean, I, I mean, if you sing that snowman song, don't do it. But <laughs> I've got a flint build snowman. That fucking just raw humor. I mean, it, it's, it's like it's Benny Hill meets Monty Python meets somebody else. I mean, they have so many things in here 
that are laughable. And then I find out because of Joe, because I didn't know, because I did I I don't know how this one escaped me. But then they find out that this movie was written about the, his girlfriend. <laughs> And, you know, and it, that's where that stupid song came from when I was on top of you. I mean, just the, the music well, the horse and the is humor. named after the girlfriend. The horse is named after the girlfriend. The horse is named after the girlfriend. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's the, and it's all it about goes, the it goes running it's off. Like, it goes running off of that trapper. <laughs> I know, you, you ain't no trapper. <laughs> you ain't no trappers. <laughs> You Bring ain't all the dead it. animals for trappers, idiots. Dean, <laughs> Dean your, your, your message, you know, uh, Keith and Vicky and I have a group chat thing where we, we message each other about movies and seeing Vicky in real time watching it when I was, I just opened it up and I'm like, I have all these unread messages. I'm just, it's just Vicky dying because I guess you hadn't seen this before. So. No, I haven't. I, I never have. And I mean, I just, I mean, I've never, this is some funny I, shit. I've never, I mean, it literally, I, I literally was gut laughing and belly laughing, especially when you had stuff like the eye or that the, the let's build a snowman song. And then when they get oh. into the conversation, it's like, yes, you know, uh. a horse is a horse, you know, is it true that it's a trapper's horse? Oh, a horse is a horse, of course, of course, you know, I mean, it's just shit like that throughout the whole movie. And then yeah, I find you... out these guys go on to do South Park. And then it just, bam, this is why it's so Oh, you good. can hear the voices. Right right in the beginning in the courtroom, you hear you hear Mr. Garrison's voice. Uh, you hear Cartman singing, uh, the sky's blue, and other leaves. You, you, you hear yeah. that as they're cutting to something. Uh, so all <laughs> that's, that, that's that lady going into the store, isn't it? Some random lady going, yeah. sky is blue. <laughs> and it's, Car yes, it's yes. Cartman's voice. It is Cartman. Uh, and which is, Matt, Stone, which is Matt, Matt Stone, Stone, isn't it? It's Matt Stone, isn't it? Well, Matt Stone's character is clearly Kyle. Mm -hmm. so, then you got uh, you know, Japanese Indians. That yeah. was my undoing. The Japanese Indians, I could not which, take it. Which, was our, which came about for two reasons. One, they liked eating at this Japanese restaurant. Right. And they want, they were hoping that he would give them free meals if they cast them. So they did. And he would, <laughs> he would feed them for free. But you know because, what? If you didn't tell me that, I wouldn't have known it. Because I actually thought he was did a good job. It's all in the drunken audio commentary. Um, and the, the second reason is that, uh, uh, Trey Parker's second major was like Japanese history uh, or something, Japanese Alter. history or something. And he had all these Japanese exchange students in the class oh, and that's they right. I read that. all the Indians for free. <laughs> but I mean, just the, the language they were using, like the Indian, you got Kimi wa Nani Moda. Who are you? <laughs> oh, Here's the other thing. When Matt, uh, when uh, Matt Stone's doing the translation of what the Indian is saying, he signs Jesus Christ is dead. Yes, I <laughs> yes he did. I just like, oh my god! I bet you there's a couple people that are like raising an eyebrow on that one. But I mean, <laughs> the Japanese guys. I mean, oh my god! And then you got the nice hat. You got the wrong and liar. You're a liar. You calling me a liar? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you call me a liar? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the trappers. I mean, the trapper guy. I mean, the little short trapper guy. Frenchie. Frenchie. Oh, my God, man. And then he's got that horse, and he's the only one riding the horse after but, he steals but, his but horse. They, but, they were, but they were the camera crew. Yes. Yeah. 
But the thing is, if you guys didn't tell me that and I didn't know to go look it up, I would have thought all of these people were actors right down to the Japanese Indian. These, <laughs> these, these think people. about it. This is, this is their, they were doing this for their school project. Oh, yeah. my God. It's, it's just genius. It's funny as shit. I cannot tell people enough. If you are bored and you have time to put on Cannibal the Musical, and it just, you got to you like it. South Park, it, yes. this is definitely for you. I mean, yeah, because I mean, because as soon as you as soon as you find out, you know exactly. I, I go South Park. Oh my God, this all makes sense now. Yeah. I got, I got Cannibal the Musical when DVDs were just coming out. It was one of it was one of the first DVDs for Trauma when it first came out. That's back in like nineteen ninety. Which something. one was it? This this movie Cannibal okay. the Musical. I I bought it because I was a I was like I don't know. I was buying a bunch of DVDs because I, I was replacing all my. VHS to DVD at that time, and I saw oh Cannibal the Musical. This will be fun. Oh, it's oh it's done by uh, the guy. It's South Park in its first year, and so like you know, so I you know because I was in the South Park in its first year. And I was like, oh, I'll give this a try, and I bought it. And it's like I watch it a lot. I've you know I got the old DVD of it. I can old. watch it. I can watch this a thousand times now, <laughs> and I will find something new to laugh at. Each and that's time. what I was going to tell you. I was like, this movie is one of those movies where if you watch it again. And, and again, you, you know, you're, you're going to laugh at different points because there's so much packed in that you don't even hear all. You can't hear all the jokes in one sitting because it just doesn't stop. And then they start <laughs> making fun of the Donner Party. And then I was really amazed that this was actually loosely based on an actual killer, you know, back in the and then well, he, and they filmed well, it in the same courthouse. That they yeah. actually tried um, Alfred. What was it, Alfred? Um, Alfred, Alfred Packer. Alfred Packer. Fudge Packer. Oh, okay. That you want scene. some fudge, Packer? Yeah. That, that scene. Apparently, the scene where where he sings "When I Was on Top of You." Yeah. Th- it was in somebody's backyard. They let him film there, and he just saw all these naked guys in these sleeping bags, and he came out with a shotgun. Right, and thinking they were gay. And the thing that I was telling Keith, I was texting Keith on WhatsApp. I go, I don't think I can get through this thick the well, they're all they all got well, they almost drowned in that river filming. But yeah. then they, they're all naked, sleeping by each other in the in the camp, the camp area by the fire. I was texting Keith, I go, I think it hurts so much I can't breathe. I can't watch anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I just imagine Mr. Miller is a really beautiful woman. What? I know. <laughs> He's so horny. Did he ever get laid in this movie? I swear no, he does. Yeah, he gets killed, doesn't he? <laughs> by the way, by the way, the grumpy guy is named Frank Miller, which I cannot, which I imagine is not a, not an accident. Well, that's his father playing the judge, not Miller, but <clears throat> yeah, Randy. Uh, yeah, Randy that's his Parker. actual father. The, it, it, incidentally, what's the name of uh, what's the name of Stan's father on, uh, on South Yes, Park? yes, it's the same. <laughs> and it was funny because he goes, "We're we'll take you from and hang you from the neck until you are dead, dead, dead." <laughs> he does a little dance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when I actually, incidentally, the first time I came onto this podcast in 2019, I remember that I came on here because I wanted to promote that we were showing I, I was affiliated with trauma and we were showing 
Cannibal the Musical and Poultry Geist at a theater right. in, at, a, at a bar in That's Chicago. That's right. I so forgot. Yeah. And that was Poultry the reason Geist I came is a, Oh my God, that one was killing me. Poultry too. Geist is another great one. That but was yeah, on directly on, after this. So we showed this to a pretty packed house in Chicago in October of 2019. And it's amazing because we had people coming in who were first timers because I, I was like recruiting people from work. I was like, come see it. Come see it. It's the first movie by the guys from South Park. And uh, my friend Kristen was like, I uh, took, took the flyers and she was handing them out to anybody that'll come into the bar. No, come out. And some people actually, a lot of people from my job took the night off and came out to the point where my job had to, had to stipulate that nobody could take Sunday nights off anymore because right. they had to work with a skeleton crew, but we played it to a packed house <clears throat> and the people who knew the movie were still singing along. People who were new to the movie were laughing at everything. It still went over. You know what? It's not well. bad. It, the filming isn't bad either. The quality of the, the, the cinematic, I mean, it's not that bad. It's well made because it's, it's, you know, you, for, you gotta, you gotta understand how low the budget was. And for right. the time, they, they did the smart thing. They did something where they were out in the woods a lot, which doesn't cost you any money to film. I think there. they had nine, like nine different horses. Did you notice that the horse did not look the The horse changed color time? a bunch of times. Or the, <laughs> it was a different yeah. horse. I mean, this, this movie is perfect. If you want to exemplify to someone what the trauma spirit is. Exactly. And I'm sure if Lloyd hears this, he'll back me up on this. This is a bunch of guys who got together, really didn't have any money. They pulled or together or experience they pulled together what resources they had and they made a movie and that movie now you know next year is going to be the 30th anniversary and made 30 it years later it still resonates it still works it's still i, I can be honest if the floyd's listening i have never laughed my ass off so hard as i did I'll, get a day watching this again i'll send i'll send this to him once once it's once it's up i'll send them the link that was some of um, the funniest shit i've seen in a long time i don't know how uh, i've not watched but this. the other thing is, is, is also if you're a south park fan this is right. like the this is the beginning of everything but i didn't that, even I mean, know that and then and but, i love south park and it's like oh wow it's like God, just well, look I mean, at but, where but, they but are if you, but, if, but if you look at this, I mean, you can you can see you can see what would what would become South Park. You can see what would become this. I mean, this is like the prototype of their Tony a winning musical. Yeah, yes. you know, the music's actually good though. I mean, it's actually a good musical. Well, the they were they were up for, they were up for an Oscar for the South Park movie for Oh Canada. Blame Canada. Yeah. Blame Canada. <laughs> and and they, even had a, they even had, I think, Robin Williams performing it at the Oscars that year. Yeah, they did. And I have to say, I was saying is, I mean, if you look at the Parker and uh, Matt Stone films that they've done, one of the best films is, you know, Team America. Fuck yeah. I love that people like Lloyd and stuff give people like this a chance to to do this because well, I mean, we you, need more people like that because there's so many people out there with all these ideas that can actually put stuff out there to make well, you I mean, laugh if you look at matt stone and trey parker and james gunn you know matt stone and trey parker right now are you know they're huge at, at, at paramount and james gunn has basically been given the, 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 Damn, keys to the kingdom at warner right? so you have you know these are people that came out of trauma and Lloyd is good at finding those people who are extremely talented, but don't have the opportunities. And he don't really, have the name behind them. They don't have the money behind them. And when you do something with trauma, he will get behind it. Yes, he will. He will, I, get, that's he the, will well, get behind you on it. 
It's so but cool. Can, I mean, can, but can, can, but Candle guys. the Musical wasn't made by trauma. It was no, it was distribu- no, it was distributed by trauma. So yeah. And that's the reason we have it today. Otherwise, if we distribute it, we wouldn't have it now. So, but as soon as I saw that little trauma thing that comes up with their little city, you know, the music, it's like, oh, right, it's trauma. Yeah. The cool thing is, (laughs) excuse me. Uh, You know, the the thing is, Matt Stone and Trey Parker went on to work with Lloyd on a bunch of other movies, and they they did Trauma's Edge TV. Uh, They were in Terror Firmer. Uh, So, these people all you know, it becomes like a little bit of a community and that that's that's the cool and no matter how small your part is if you're there at a screening and you had something to do with a trauma movie lloyd wants people to know you were involved that Even is so were, cool and he's he and what he remembers he remembers really people is. who were in his movies he he is one of the truly like like people was truly grateful for everything because these these movies you know uh, this was independently produced but movies that are produced by trauma are made with like shoestrings and like the little Budget, nuts yeah. and bolts you could find. Like that's everything about. I don't know, but that that made. Cyclops part that had me on the floor. That, that literally had me on the floor. If you notice, that's the tall, that's the tall trapper with the with the skunk hat with the crossed eyes. He's right. just in a different makeup. A lot of these people are playing more than one role. Trey Parker's like half the half the ADR voices. Right. <laughs> half the voices you just hear randomly are all Trey Parker. Then we got the cowbell solo. I mean, this a lot of thought went into this. I mean, this shit, I mean, it was it's just genius. I was telling Keith, I go, this is just fucking genius. I go, I, I love it. Well, I, think the re- I, think the, I think the reason why it plays as well is because they're taking the piss out of stuff that they actually love. Yes. I mean, that whole that whole ballet thing is Oklahoma. Yes. The whole, the the whole ballet. I remember seeing the trailer. I I I, uh, I bought a copy of Blood Sucking Freaks, and I remember because I heard it was disgusting, and I needed to see it. I and the it. trailers in the beginning, one of the trailers was for uh, Cannibal the Musical, and I remember the tagline being in the tradition of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Oklahoma. <laughs> and, that's, and that's how they marketed this thing and i was like i need to see this uh, and even the beginning the 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 uh the opening credits are like the overture of an old school musical which you know we just saw west side story for last week's show right right that started out with like this opening credit scene where it was just like a sampling of all the music as it played through and this actually picks up like, like the first time you see the trappers, you slightly hear the tune of what would become the trappers' big number. Right. It, it does that. It does take after these old musicals, uh, and that's the thing. You get a sense from this that these guys really do love movies. Yeah, that's and what you makes also it so and, good. and you also have to sit there and say one of the most expensive things to film is a musical. Yeah, yeah. And these guys and they and they, and they made and they made a musical. Which they have to lip sync to, record all the music ahead of time, and not they didn't do it on the sound stage. They did it out in the open. They did, you know what? What did Anna and the Apocalypse say when they were making um the you know when they're when they were filming? The only musical scene that they could do outside was the one where you know they're walking down the street and all the mayhem's happening behind them, and they said they were able to do that because they didn't have enough money for the speakers. That's the reason why they got the headphones in and they're like singing, you know, they're, they're doing, they're miming to their song sort of thing in order to get everything to sync well. And then you got, you know, and then you look at this and it's like, 
these people was like they didn't have the money for even that sinking thing so basically they're just got like a little thing playing in the background and like in a really tinty cassette tape that they use they have this cassette tape that they're playing they play it they're lip syncing to it and they'll put in the the music afterwards and being able to lip sync to that and put that all together is a difficult yep. thing to do you gotta really look up the music though i'd pull her hair and she know to stop and once you look behind her i've always be there and now i don't know why but she's gone and all i can do is carry on but i mean the slams and i had no idea that's about his girlfriend. I don't know if I would have sued him, but <laughs> I think she sued him over the commentary because <laughs> they kind of dox her. They were sweethearts, weren't they? Well, they dogged on her bad, don't you think? Well, I mean, they kind of dox her because they they mentioned she's married to a guy who's who's managing this uh, this place, and they, in a way, they kind of give away <laughs> they give away the scene. He was a very young. He was an angry young man, Joe. He was an angry. <laughs> If you ever well, get a chance to watch this movie, if you get the DVD or blue, well, there's no Blu-ray. If you get the DVD of it, listen to the audio, the drunken audio commentary. It is. Oh so they, start, they start. They start out sober, and it's like rapidly it goes downhill goes down. really quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At one at one point, they're like, "How much longer is this? We got to go to a titty bar." Yeah. <laughs> you I guys mean, have to go to a titty bar. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite scenes that always. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of mood in it makes me laugh is when Polly is singing her song on the steps and the guy's walking down the steps. He's like, cause you know, like whenever anyone does one of those <laughs> solos in a movie, they're always like staring at this face. He's like trying to look at like, what's she looking at? Yeah. What is she looking at? <laughs> and he's like, oh and he stops and he looks and then he tries to get down at her level to see what she's looking at. <laughs> now the trapper song, now the trapper song, that, 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 that would probably piss off a lot of people. I can catch a helpless animal, skin it with my bare hands. <laughs> I wake up, buddy, and I go back to bed, buddy, because I'm a trapping man. <laughs> I, I love, I love the break where 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 the the uh, the, the second trapper starts singing really softly. <laughs> it just reminded me of that lumberjack song from Monty Python. I'm a lumberjack yes. and I'm okay. It just kept putting me in a Monty Python mode for some reason. Maybe that's why I loved it so much because it kind of reminded but me. But where of they Monty go? Python. But where they go one step further is just like, oh, he was singing in the wrong key. He was a third flat, and then they're going like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but he he was singing in B flat because no, I was singing in A sharp, which is basically the same key. <laughs> <laughs> and that, just, and just, I can't and it's hard to really describe the movie because it is kind of all over the place a little bit but all well, I, can say, I mean I, it's very I mean I think I mean I I, I thought it very very coherent though it's just like oh, it's, it's coherent just, but yeah, what I'm saying so, is, I don't mean it like that but I mean, oh, okay there's there's a whole lot of lyrics and then there's a whole lot of you know script going on and I if I if I got up I had to go back because I couldn't leave the TV. You know what I mean? It was one of those oh, movies. I mean, well, I mean, I have a to lot there going say on. There's a lot going on. Like Joe yeah. said, you will not yeah. catch every joke on this first or second viewing. Maybe not even not on the third viewing, you know? I've seen but this they, movie like four or five times. I love it. I'm going to watch it again I probably. I find jokes that I've, never, that I've never heard before. I mean, another thing clever about this, it's a musical, but the thing is what most musicals do today is the after everything stops, the song goes on, the song happens, and then the action happens, which they do what you're supposed to do with a musical is the musical progresses the people's story forward and keeps I, the story right. moving. Just and they do that. that. And they did a good job that. at it too, because it's a bona fide <laughs> musical. 
It just really is. I mean, at first, when I said Cannibal the Musical, I go, God, what has he got me watching? I had no idea it was trauma. I had no idea about the South Park, you know, part that came later. And I was sitting there thinking, it's like, God, I know these voices. You know, I'm just sitting there, where did I hear this? And just the very young South Park voices, you know, but... It, these guys are well, funny. They were onto something. They're well, to con- but to constitute how great a uh, script and how great the music is and how great it, it won seven awards at the Edinburgh Festival yeah. Fringe. And they deserve and the Ed- every award. And if every people one. out there who are, who don't know what the Edinburgh Film and Theater Festival happened three weeks in the middle of summer, people come from all over the world to premiere their film premiere their small shows and stuff like this. We've had, you know, you know, Michael Caine's up there, Judy Dench is up there. They're all up there promoting this in this for three weeks. And this thing is, and you see these things for like, let's show it for $15, 15 pounds. Yeah. You know, and they're, and it's, and, 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 and once it wins the awards, it moves to the West End and it turns into a multi-million, and which is what they're turning this into now. They're talking about turning this into a multi-million pound musical in the West End. That's what they're talking about. Did the you moment. guys catch the alien head during the let's yes. build the snowman thing? It was quick. Yeah, and, and at the end, uh, during during the final, uh, during the uh, hang the bastard, uh, he's he's in the he's in the barn house. The alien, there's an alien head sticking out of the barn house. Hang the bastard. That was Matt Stone hey. dressed in drag. <laughs> yes, because he demanded to be. <laughs> he demanded to have a scene where he could dress in drag. Hang the bastard, hang him high. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I could sit here and just laugh. I could sing the whole thing and just laugh. I'll know it by the end of the week, promise you. Well, the, and I have something <laughs> to say, the, the music sticks in your head as well. It does, it does. it's catchy. It's actually, I actually like this, like, oh. let's fill the snowman. That's going to be stuck like Sweet Caroline in my brain all freaking. I, I rewatched the movie this morning, but thinking about it last night, I was singing It's a Spurdoinkle Day when mm-hmm. I was like heading off to bed. <laughs> so just the memory of it. I was just, get... uh, it, it just got stuck in my, and I was just like, okay, I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, I got to watch it when I get up. Cause I could have probably done this podcast without rewatching the movie. Right. Um, but I was, I woke up this morning and like, you know what? It's only like nine 30 in the morning. Let me just watch it real quick. Just, just to catch. And I caught little things that I probably would not have been able to catch you know probably not have been able to mention but yeah just the music just gets stuck in there and it's pleasant it's not like oh christ i got the song stuck in my head you yeah. love these songs there's not a bad one in it well i can't uh, i like i like that's all i'm asking for that's all i'm asking for i love the reprise of that when they're all like too tired they're dying all i'm asking for uh, I mean, did anybody <laughs> do any research on the Colorado River before they actually tried to you do this scene before they almost all drowned? Oh, they, did, well, they didn't use the Colorado River. They used the Greenboro River. And the, the thing is, is it's, it's, nor- it's, nor- it's normally a slow moving river. But what they didn't take into account is that they filmed this movie in the spring. Ah, and of course, okay. you can, now you got to remember what happens in Colorado in the spring. All that snow from those snow ski towns. So when they say that their balls are cold, they were seriously probably saying their balls were cold. When th- those 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 scenes where you see them going down the rapids, right? That wasn't supposed to happen. No, that's them being swept away because they 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 didn't take into account that the current was a lot more 
than it was. And they basically, I mean, they actually, people who were on the shore had to actually try to get them out. They could have drowned very easily. They could have. Yeah. I mean, because they, they, because what happened was is that they they where they crossed they crossed here they ended up something like a thousand feet down river they were supposed to go across but they ended a thousand feet where they uh, down river because that's how far they got dragged before they got across the river. I mean, and for some, guys, for well, some reason, they thought it. They, they thought it was supposed to come up to their waist. Well, Seriously. I mean, they're a bunch. They're a bunch of college kids. Yeah, they're a I bunch of nineteen. And look, this movie, they were 19 and 20 years old when they made I this think movie. The, the 21. Age was 21. I mean, you got to give them credit. I give know. them lots of credit. It's fantastic. I mean, just somebody gave them a spark somewhere, you know? And I mean, when you get that spark and you do something with it, you know, it's 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 wonderful to see this decades later and they still got it. You know, well, still making people laugh. Well, I mean, look at South Park. How many years has that been out? 20 something years? 30 years? It has at least 20. Close to 25 at least because it came out in the late night. It came out after this. This was made in 93, but Trauma didn't release it until 96. I was in high school when South Park came out. So it would have been the late 90s, maybe 96, 97. 97. Probably probably not. Well, if they, I I think if Trauma released this in 96. In 1997, it's at 25 seasons. Yeah. yeah, and it's oh, still wow. going. I, I nailed that. Wow, <laughs> it's going, and it's still going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times I can kill Kenny anymore, but <laughs> well, Kenny's dead. I don't think Kenny's. I don't think Kenny's in it anymore. I don't think so either. I haven't seen it in a while. I'm probably gonna have to get back on there now and watch. The I wa- I watched something recent. I watched it recently, and Kenny's. I think I, I think Kenny's gone, but they got some. Autistic kid in a wheelchair playing doing Penny's part. They have they have such zero whatever. They just don't. Is, there's just, there's is it just zero. Timmy? Is, is or is it a different kid? Timmy? Timmy is Timmy. Timmy. That's it. Timmy. He's been around for a while. Timmy's Timmy. been around for a long time. Timmy. But the songs yeah. are really catchy. <laughs> that they just are. Let's Matt Stone and Trey Parker are great at writing comedic music. They they they're fantastic at it. So it's, I mean, I mean he's already said that earlier. I mean, go see Book of Mormon. Oh, I love Book of Mormon. I haven't seen it, still, but now and it's, I'm going. And it's to. still going. It's still running. God, I would love it's, to it's, see it's, it. It's ended, it's ended up being one of the longest running musicals when they thought that when it opened that this is going to th- it'd be lucky well, when, if it lasts when they the year. bring up Brigham Young, they talk about you know they're going to start beating the piss out of the Mormons because it oh, is yeah. slapping it is a piss take on the Mormons big time. Oh, they always will. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the uh, Asadiga Bidouai, I think is the name of the song in the in the Book of Mormon. And then he explains it to, to, to the Mormon, to the Mormon uh, kid. He's like, well, um, Asadi, um, well, uh, Bidouai means God. Asadiga means right. fuck you. So the song means fuck you, God. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people that would really appreciate that, too. <laughs> I mean... And the funny thing about it, that could be something, I mean, and they have a hat, they got a way of doing something that really probably could be found offensive, but they do, they always get away with it. I mean, I think about saying, it. If I mean, you I mean it look correctly, at Book of, Book of Mormon, Book of Mormons about a bunch of Mormons going to a small African tribe and trying to convert them to Mormonism. That's the story right there. Yeah. <laughs> 
What, uh, what, what my favorite? Well, everybody in the town has AIDS except for except for the Mormons and this one young girl. And I love the love the father talking about uh, 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 she's uh, she's everything I have in this world. And if one of you lays a hand on her, I'll give you my AIDS. <laughs> I know it's like God. And and even when they're not taking like if you look at the like in the Book of Mormon, for instance, when they're actually giving you the history of the Mormon Church. And what they're telling you is the exact is that the God honest truth. They're not, they haven't added to it. They're not taking the piss out of it, but it's funny because, because it's so ludicrous, but, but it's real. It it's like, it's right down the to the special underwear. Sorry, my Mormon friends. <laughs> I don't get the underwear very well. <laughs> well, right down, uh, to the far, right down to the fact that it was started by a scam artist. Like God spoke to me. Uh, no, you in Rochester, New York. In Rochester, New York. He gave me these golden tablets. No, you can't see them. <laughs> no, you can't see the golden tablets that came from Rochester, New York. <laughs> God, God told me to bury them on the farm somewhere in Rochester. And they've never been seen ever again. Never seen, no. Nope. So the, I would like the, the to problem, see. I would like to see those those golden tablets from the morning. They're in Rochester, and they're they're in there's some farm in Rochester. <laughs> you should go try to bury them. They pick them up. Can't see something that doesn't exist. <laughs> Start but taking hold of Rochester. We're looking, we're looking for the Mormon books, but but I mean, isn't all you know maybe all religions kind of based on that theory? It is. <laughs> I'm not if, God, if God speaks to you, if God speaks to this God speaks to you today, you're bipolar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's basically God spoke to me when I was all alone and nobody else was around, and you're just gonna have to take my word for it. That's yeah. religion but, in a nutshell. But but I mean, yeah, I mean, no one's around when God's speaking to Moses, is he? No. No, no, it's just him, just him, his staff, and the burning bush. Aaron has nope. not come into the picture yet. No, 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 no. Wasn't even, yeah, oh, his staff, his staff, meaning his staff. No, when yeah, he said staff, I thought, staff, Keith, Jesus no, Christ. No, no, no. When he said staff, I thought I thought you meant like the people who were working for him. <laughs> no, no one's Moses on and the people who were working for him. I was like, no, I think he was on his own. No one. Uh, but you, no, no, you were no making the himself. hand motion, so I thought you were. No, no, not that. Well, can you, can you well, I mean, but look at Abraham. Like, like, oh, that's God exactly told me to kill my son. Like, okay. That's exactly the one I was just going to. If that were to happen today, God told me to kill my son. Oh my God! <laughs> but I was just whatever. talking to my husband about the Old Testament today. The Old Testament is just full of violence, rape, and misogyny. And hatred. <laughs> that's the Old Testament. I hate everybody. <laughs> it's that, that, it's, it's, that guy. It's down the street. God. And that a very guy down the street, God. That yeah. guy down the street doesn't believe in me. Kill him, rape his fucking wife, and yeah. kill his kids. No, like, you gotta rape and this? murder all of his daughters too, because they were big yeah. at raping and murdering like, no. daughters. Well, I mean, come on, <laughs> think about it. This is how cruel God is in the Old Testament. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't look behind you. What are you gonna do? What? Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't look don't look now such and such has just come in what <laughs> poof pillar of salt yep. you Boom. can eat you can it's like you can eat everything but this oh yeah. why not 
thought you were just gonna do it. I was like, why? I know. Well, it's just human nature. Don't tell me not to do something because I will. You know. I mean. But the thing on. is, if he if he didn't say anything about it at all, no one probably would have ate that apple or fruit or whatever the hell it was. No one would. I mean, it's also it. specifically don't eat from the tree of knowledge. Exactly. Don't educate yourself. Just take my word for everything. Don't Just take my word for everything. You don't want to think for yourself. <laughs> incest is bad incest is bad well what about noah and his family repopulating after the flood what happened there? <laughs> so well noah was a horny old bastard if you read the bible through it through. he used to get drunk and try to sodomize everybody <laughs> Well, I, mean, I don't even but, think half the flock was safe. But look, look at the problem between look at the problem between the Jews and the Muslims. I mean, it's basically a Jerry Springer episode. It's like I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. Oh, go sleep with the hired help. Okay, fine. Oh, look, we have a baby. Oh, oh my God, the wife's pregnant. Get your hands off my man, bitch. <laughs> that bastard is not my my husband's child no longer. <laughs> Cast them away. Cast them away. No, no, I've got a better one. <laughs> Abraham gets gets the, the hand servant pregnant. So what do they do? His wife, Sarah, has her banished into the desert with her child. Where she, starts her, fucking mean where she starts her and she's and the and the and the the, the concubine and the and the you know the bastard child's like, well, she shall then we're gonna start our own religion. <laughs> <laughs> the just, land of just, Ishmael. He was one just of the, the idea. Just the idea of, well, God told me to have sex with her because you couldn't have kids anymore. So that's what I know. It's like, that's why I'm Tough saying shit. that the, the Old Testament is some of the most misogynistic bullshit yeah. I have ever read. Is it a good story? Yes, but it's misogynistic bullshit. <laughs> well, look at the story of Joseph and he made it a color dream coat. It's like, you know, they sell him off to slavery. Look, dad, he's dead. He got eaten by a goat. He's like, okay, <laughs> he goes out there. And then he's like, and then basically it's like the, the wife's trying to seduce him. So it's like, so he gets thrown in the jail. And then oh, he's man, like, if you're oh. a woman in old, in old Testament times, you're just fucked literally. But, but he was a narc. Joseph was a narc you know he's like okay i'll recite your i'll i'll recite your um um your dreams for you tells him the dreams he goes oh pharaoh by the way this bank this baker here's fucking you over oh thank <laughs> you joseph you can be my right hand man yay yeah yeah i'm gonna reward you for being a being a narc <laughs> yeah it's not like the good old days with the old brinner used to show up as ramses you know yeah. <laughs> he made a sexy Ramsey. I'll tell you, he was a sexy bald man. I love him. Well, look at Moses. I mean, God, what Moses a was not sexy bald. Well, no, he was an ungrateful kid. I mean, okay, first of all, his mom dumps him in a draft. He's floating down the raft. Some some rich guy, rich woman, Moses picks him up, is, no, adopts Moses him, adopts Pharaoh's sister and daughter. Yeah, but the thing is. This person, you know, brings him out of the out of the river. He could have drowned, but this person saves his life. Treat gets raised by a rich family, and what does he do? He turns against that those people who paid for his education, paid for his food, <laughs> bought his clothes. All because comes of some with weird, a, bunch of, a bunch of plague. All because of some weird cult. <laughs> <laughs> and then to top it all off. 
the fucking guy had no sense of direction because these people are like, we'll follow you, Moses, for like 120 years in the freaking desert. It's like, are we there yet? Yeah, <laughs> 40 on. years, 40 years, and that's only because they were being idolaters, okay? He left him alone <laughs> for five minutes. No, he it is to, not. That that is minute. a lie. It was a lie. He was a man, he, he could, <laughs> and because he was a man, he didn't know how to ask for directions. That's why was happening there. By the way, this is our Christmas yeah. episode. All right, now we're- <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. We're and talking about Christmas, uh, talking about the Christmas. This is how cruel God is, right? <laughs> he impregnates a virgin a who has to give birth. Who has to give twelve-year-old. Well, she gets pregnant, right? Now, that cat flap has to push back in the opposite direction of then what is meant. So that means that hymen has to go out instead of in. So yeah, <laughs> that's not a nice thing to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh God, we are in so much trouble today. Okay. Merry Hi, Christmas, son. everyone. <laughs> Hi, son. I'm so glad you're my son. All I'm going to do is I'm going to crucify you because you're going to hang to die. So then the crows will pick at you. Have fun. <laughs> oh, but but every religion has that kind of stuff, though. You think about yeah, they I got know. the same myths. They got the same kind of virgin birth thing going on. <laughs> Saying that I will be going to church to midnight mass tomorrow, which is God on the strip. <laughs> well, I really hope that the lightning doesn't hit your friends that are standing next to you. <laughs> I would not go to church with you, you blasphemous idolater. What do you do? I mean, to be and honest, you're on top of it, you've got all of the cardinal sins going. You it's haven't heard co- anybody yet. It, it's a, it's a co- I mean, I'm just saying that there's a lot of holes there. I mean, Jesus gets born, Hera goes and kills all the babies, and then he's like, Jesus disappears until he shows up. Goes, this is turns up, shows up in church at the age of what, ten or twelve? Goes, this is my father's church. Then disappears and shows up at 32. It's like, where the hell was he? (laughs) They say he was traveling and spreading whatever the word he was spreading. Well, I mean, God, even college kids only travel for a year when they're having. (laughs) But he wasn't, they weren't prophets. Prophets. Joseph just vanishes. Yeah, where does Joseph? Joseph just vanishes. Apparently he dies because the Catholic Church has relics of his bones. Yeah, okay. that's a bit like the fucking um, Warrens going, oh, look here. I got a piece. I got the nail from Jesus's cross here. That's going to show did, me the way. She to- did used to say that she had actual wood in, in the nail from Jesus's cross. You know, really? I would like to see a certificate of authenticity, please. Yeah. By the way, yeah, the, the first Conjuring we- movie is great. The Warrens were fucking scam artists. Let's be honest. They were. Let me think about it. I mean, there's there's documentaries where she go where she's she po- I mean, there's documentaries where she where you can see her. She does this in uh, Miamiville Horror, where it t- takes one of the Lutz's kids and yeah. one of the uh, Christopher Lutz, I think it is one of yes, the Lutz's it is kids. It is. Goes back, goes back to visit the Warrens, and she pulls out this piece of, I don't know, some sliver that she's got for probably off the floor when she was cleaning it. I don't know, but she goes, this is the actual piece of wood from the cross that she, and the, I mean, Christopher Luck by that time totally freaked out or you know, his brain's totally gone. He's, I don't know what happened to his childhood, but he's like, wow, that's amazing. And she goes, let me put this here. And therefore we can make you come to terms with what happened. Those most faithful nights in 1976 during the Amityville phenomenon. But it's just like, she believes it. She, I mean, she pulls out this piece of wood. It's like, 
They can't. Now they can't fight. Big on relics because I've got a few supposedly. Nice yeah, but I mean, come on. I mean, years. I'm half Italian. What am I? Joe knows. Yeah. He's been around the families. <laughs> he knows how the Italians think. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of the. I'm kind of the black sheep in that manner because I've been an atheist since I was like 14. So, I'm not an atheist, but I have issues. But I have questions. I have. I have questions for the simple fact that if you see a barn, if you see a house that hasn't been attended to for that was built in 1850, and there's nothing left of the wood because the termites have eaten it out of the way, explain to me how a piece of wood off the of a cross has sufficed over 2,000 years. It was supposedly in glass. It was it was supposedly in glass, so I don't know. Glass. Glass. So the, so the Romans Preserve were able to hang Jesus now. on a plate Airtight of glass. Airtight glass. <laughs> Airtight glass. Yeah, funny that. It's like... I mean, I don't know. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. And really, really watch this movie because it is fucking hysterical. That is my, my <laughs> comment going out. It's a lot of fun. You really gotta watch it. It's a great time to have a Mormon Christmas as well. There you go. A Mormon Christmas, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go try it. Because- you yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what Christmas is all about. Five wives and 28 children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sister wives. <laughs> no more sister wives anymore. I mean, they're all divorced to him, haven't they? Oh yeah, I know. What else happened? If something else happened to that guy. He yeah, he, he stayed with he stayed with the youngest and got of rid course. of the older ones. Of <laughs> course he did. So then, my sister wives is no longer my sister wives because there's only one left. Because he the other the other three left him because of his favoritism with, for his younger wife. <laughs> well, at least this one doesn't look like a slender boy. So. I'm sorry, but I mean, Cody from my sister wives looks like he's got ramen noodles on his head. I mean, he really needs to sort the hair out. And peace and it, on earth and goodwill to men. Yeah. And, and Cody's staying with Sob and Robin for those people who are catching up on that series because I'm watching it. That's Sob and Robin. There's more to life than women. I just can't seem to figure out what else there is. I don't need it every night. Every morning it'd be just fine. A little sex, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. That's all he's asking for. Something I can test. A gal would suit me best. I got a thing to use, I know what to use it for. A girl I can love and kiss and hold and foot. That's all I'm asking for. Now I don't want to be rich for the sake of women. I want to be rich for the sake of our Lord. Enough to build a church where everyone can come. Enough for the Lord, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. That's all he's asking for. It ain't a lot to ask. So, on that note, Nikki, how many many stars do you have Cannibal Musical? (laughs) I'm going to give it five plus (laughs) dies. No, it's great. It's, It's really, it's a lot of fun. If you don't laugh at this, then you have zero humor. And if you're easily offended, don't watch it. <laughs> That's my advice. Well, if you're easily offended, I don't think you'd be listening to us in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, we probably lost like half of our audience today because of you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, we're quite big in Russia and they don't have religion there, so we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little orthodoxy there. You might be pissing somebody off, I'm sure. I'm sure. And what about yourself, Joe? How many stars do you give this? 
I, I, I give it a five pussing Cyclops eyes like Mickey did. I love this movie. It holds up to repeat viewings. It's held up after 30 years. Uh, like I said, we played it at a, uh, we played it in a bar in Chicago three, three years ago and it went swimmingly well. Everyone that, uh, everyone liked it uh, to the point where the next time that I worked the trauma booth uh, in February of the following year, a bunch of my friends at work were giving me money, asking me to get them a copy of, of Cannibal the Musical. So that it, it, it's a movie that really does work for repeat viewings. It's you, you're going to catch jokes you've never seen before or you've never heard before. Yeah. The songs are going to earworm themselves into your head and you're going to love them. Absolutely. So I'm, we're going to tell you now the South Park guys did it. So. Yeah. If you like South Park, definitely watch it. Yeah. But watch it even if like you don't, I mean, who doesn't know what South Park is? But if you don't know what South Park is, just watch it because it's hilarious. It's a fantastically hilarious musical. Like Keith said, it does. Music, punches. It there, does it right. It does the musical the correct way. It does. It really does. With honestly. no money. With virtually Zero, hardly. And, you know, and, and you had Lloyd Kaufman, you know, behind him and the trauma people, but that's what just makes, just all that makes that more golden. Well, Lloyd, Lloyd was the one who suggested they change the title because Alfred Packer, the musical, he went, well, nobody outside of Colorado knows who Alfred Packer is. Right. So that's true. The that's true. The musical. So, yeah. And I mean, even the, the even the poster art, I have the DVD here because I just watched it this morning. You know, they the actually got out. him looking like Alfred Packer. When you look at Alfred Packer's picture, yeah, and you see that, it's yeah, when, just, I can't. Even the poster art, if you look up the poster art, it screams old school musical. Yes, it does. That's what I was thinking. Blazing Saddles, you know, it's it's got a Blazing Saddles kind of feel to it. It really does. Monty Python meets Blazing Saddles. That's what two, I say. Matt Stone and Trey Parker are two guys who really... Grew, who grew up really liking, really loving movies. And this, there's even a Friday the, Thir the, the Crazy Ralph character. You're all doomed. And that's, uh, again, I think that's Trey Parker again doing the voice. Um, it's such, it, it's, it loves, it loves movies and it shows you how much it loves movies by, like Keith said, taking the piss out of movies they love. And it's, it's fun because they're not really trying to do anybody disservice. It's just good humor. It's just yeah. fun. They're not, you know, they're doing it out of a sense of fun, not to be hateful, really, except for maybe the girlfriend. I would so hate to offend that woman, I'm telling you. That's why she I bet you she's them. really regretting it now. Let me tell you. Well, now he's worth like 500 or 600. That guy's worth huge amounts of money he's like boy i fucked up i bet you she says that all the time and the, and the guy up. she left him for uh was, was selling insurance in oh my god <laughs> it is what it is it is it sure is honey i'm gonna give it a five star rating because i got this when i knew nothing about it and it's one of the first dvds i got and i put it on didn't know nothing about it i loved it i still love it today and I still tend to show it to people who are like looking at me going, what the hell? And then they love it by the end of it. So. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still trying to get my old man to watch it. He, he, it heard, he doesn't like musicals. And I go, but it's really a musical. I go, get past the first song and then you'll understand what I by the end of By the end of the movie, like I don't think I've shown it to anybody who doesn't like it by the end of the movie. Just that let's build a snowman. I'll be singing that <laughs> doing housework when I'm done with y'all here. 
just I can't get that song out of my fucking head. It's right. And, and it was 15 years before Frozen. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> that was that went through my head when they were singing that too. I just like, Red, then purple, then blue. We'll watch from up here to get a good view. And when his eyes bug out, we'll know it's the end of him and the end of the show. Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Of course, next week we'll be doing Dark Shadows, which will come out um, in the first weekend of January. Our book to screen, America Goes Dark, will be continuing with We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shriver, which is also based the film on 2011, which stars Tilda Swindon and Ezra Miller. <laughs> Doctor Who will be continued with Marco Polo, which are dealing with episodes from 22nd of February to the 4th of April, 1964. Unfortunately, those apples, um, those episodes aren't available. They have been destroyed, but we will have the director and people from the BBC coming in who actually worked on those telling us a story about Marco Polo, the lost story. Of course, we'll be continuing our Batman the Animated Series with the episode See No Evil, Beware the Great Ghost, starring Adam West, Prophecy of Doom, and Joker's Favor. Mike Remake will be covering Castle Freak from 1995 and the remake from 2020. And of course, we'll be continuing our M&M Monsters and Mad Men with The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane from 1976, starring Jodie Foster and Martin Sheen, and Alice Sweet Alice from 1976, starring a very young Brooke Shields. So that's good night for myself. Good night, Vicki. Good night, everybody. Hope we didn't piss you off too much. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, Joe. Happy holidays, everyone. And happy holidays. Not too original, keep the tradition, but stay individual. Dirty but washable, winning but stoppable. All that I'm hearing is you wanna make the impossible possible.